Welcome to Color Me Dead. This is a true crime podcast, and we talk about murder and fuckery most foul in detail while using the darkest of humor. If you don't like words like fuck and cunt, then you probably shouldn't listen. But if you do, then join us while we fuck your feelings. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, boils and goyles. Boils and goyles. Welcome to episode 118, Donald Peewee Gaskins, part four. That's a long some bitch. And that's final truth. That's the final truth because it's so finally long. Oh my we're, god. We're finally getting the truth Christ out. Christ, us. So, where would they go if they want to find us on social media? Well, I suppose if you want to find us on Twitter at Color Me Dead Pod, you can find us on Instagram at Color Me Dead Podcast. Follow Nikki at Gory underscore Nikki, N I K K I, or Color Me Dead Angel. If you happen to wander into Facebook, you can like our page, the Color Me Dead Podcast, and join our Facebook group, Color Me, po- Color Me Podcast. Color Me Podcast. Color Me Dead Podcast group. Um, if you want some of our merch, you can get it at colormedeadpod.threadless.com. If you want to check us out at ageofradio.org slash colormedead, you'll find our Patreon button. You'll find all of our affiliate sponsors. Um, you'll find other shows that are in our, are in I don't know words, in okay. our network. <laughs> I failed today. But while you're there... I already mentioned the Patreon button. You can click that. Or if you want to donate to our Patreon, you can go to patreon.com and you search Color Me Dead Podcast. And we want to give a big thank you to our examinators, Sharon Hoffman, Melissa Morgan, Eric Stark, Quincy Rowe, and Samantha Vaughn. And speaking of Samantha Vaughn. Samantha Vaughn. Listen here, Samantha Vaughn. Thank you very much for loaning us your amazing book, the Final Truth, written in part by Pee Wee Gaskins himself. And when I say in part, is because he's mildly retarded and he had to have some help. He had to, like, tell the dude. He recorded. Yeah, it's a, it was a whole process. It was a process. These books are incredibly expensive. They're over $200 a copy because, and this is for a used copy, they're no longer in print, ladies and gentlemen, and they are on moratorium. So if you can get one, you had better be ready to sell a child and sacrifice a virgin. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, this episode ended up being a lot longer than Nikki intended it. There's far too many stories to leave out. And with the price of this book where it is, we wanted to share this because it's likely that y'all aren't going to run out and spend two to $900 on this book. And no. since we have it in our possession, we're going to use it to the fullest extent before we ship it back with whatever thank you goodies we send to Samantha. That's going to be thank you and please keep this. I don't yeah, fucking want it. Yeah, take this motherfucker because no thank you. don't like it, not even a little bit. But yes, I did try to leave in as much as I could. <laughs> but there were some things that I left out. And there was a lot towards the end that was like whatever. But as far as his life goes, it's there. Mostly. Ladies. Yeah. So when we left you, Pee-wee had just escaped from the courthouse where he jumped out, you know, he he did his little escape that way. He stole a car, sunk, sunk it, then stole another car. 
He made his way to Robertson County, which is the Lumbee Indian part of North Carolina. Poss had told them about it there. He said that you could get lost and nobody could find you. And this clearly appealed to Pee-wee. He was like, hell yeah. Plus, the law stayed away for the most part because the Lumbee Indians didn't like the law, so they kind of were like, fuck off. He had enough money to hide out for a while, so he rented a room in a boarding house run by what he called a Lumbee Mama. He paid for a month's rent, and he drove the second car that he had stolen to Charlotte and left it in the garage and took the bus back. He somehow got a 49 Ford. They didn't mention how he got it, if he bought it, if he stole it, how he got it, but I would, I'm going to go with stole it. Uh, fixed it up behind his room that he rented, and so now he had a ride to go around and do his beer drinking. He said he never drank liquor, though, okay, because it was illegal to sell by the drink at the time. He said that there was moonshine available, but he was so little that he was such a lightweight that a couple beers did the trick, so he really wasn't that worried about. Fucking amateur hour. Yeah, it's basically me. He was upset at the lack of honky-tonk women (laughs) (laughs) that were at the Lumbee area. It was mostly couples (laughs) at the places he went to. But don't you worry your pretty little heads. He found a lady after two months that was a 17-year-old Lumbee girl named Lenny. Well, but we all know that 18 is a little bit old for Pee-wee's taste. But 17, you're still right there. They met at the hardware store. And they got married. Of course they did, because why fucking wouldn't they? Right. So what are we on? Why four or three? There was Mary Jerry and Lenny. He likes those uh, E E names, so I think we're on three. He said before they got married, he would take her out and they would drink and laugh. But that's before, you know, until he said he loved her. He said that it it was amazing what a woman would do when you said... I love you. Mm-hmm. Eye roll for me. I roll so hard. I just saw my ES. If I roll, I roll any harder. I, I'm I'm glad that it works for Pee Wee because if anybody tells me I love you just to get what they want, I'd be like, motherfucker, do I look stupid? Do I look desperate? I no. I may have fallen for that when I was, when I was age 18 to about 23. Mm-hmm. And I learned some very hard lessons by age 23. So he made sure he said he truly loved all of his wives. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, I'm sure that you did. Anyway, they got married at her mom's house and they lived there for three months until he got restless and couldn't take it no more. And this is kind of his M.O., and I'm sorry that I wrote this in the way he said it a lot of times, so the grammar is not correct, but it was cracking me up, so I had to. I had to. I had to. Do. Let's try that one more again. One more again. Froed it out the window. That's, I think, I'm pretty sure I have that in here. Froed. <laughs> froed it. Have I froed it. Well, he told her that he was going out for parts, and uh, much like dads that go out for a pack of cigarettes, he never came back. Yeah. And he said it wasn't because he didn't love her. It was just because he got restless. He got restless and it had to stay on the move. He would get irritated and grouchy and edgy and he had to get away. Getting away this time meant that trying to find his last wife, Jerry, was part of that. 
I guess so. I, I need time away. I have to go find Jerry. <laughs> he went to Lake City and tried to get her to meet him. He said that he knew she was still pissed off because he fu- pissed off because he fucked Patsy. But he thought that he could smooth this all over. I mean, who couldn't? I you mean, just statutory raped and fully raped a 12-year-old. Yeah. Um, it wasn't a big deal. Wives get over that all the time. They are always okay with that. So do what you're going to do, but you can smooth it over. I mean, it was just a little ripe. Just a little bit. Fuck. He couldn't help himself. 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 Don't oh, say Jesus it right. Himself. God. Don't you dare have your grammar now. <laughs> Don't you get all hoity-toity. You fucking... Anyway, she really did show up after a few days and told her the Patsy thing was a setup because her aunts hated him. He didn't know if she believed or not. I'm going to lean towards or not. Or not. They were on their way to Lake Wiles. 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 They were on their... (laughs) They were on their way to Lake Wales while they were discussing this... To go find Poss again. They found the carnival and Pee-wee asked for Poss. They told him that Poss's mobile trailer had caught fire from a kerosene hater. Okay. I didn't tell know. me a story. I'm going to tell you what happened. Okay. <laughs> it was the kerosene. The kerosene. So, for a long time, Poss used to haul his family in their trailer, like, to follow the the carnival mm-hmm. and then back in the last episode we talked about when he stopped and they they put their house down they took the wheels off and his wife would get all mad when he called it their trailer house because it was now up and and the way he wrote this was mo dash bile mobile house <laughs> it was a mobile home now mobile home and that part made me laugh like the way that he writes things in the book there's one coming up that's just fucking amazing anyway the, the mobile <laughs> mobile anyway so the heater they had they had got a care a kerosene heater <laughs> to put in the bathroom because it was cold and i i don't think they had it hooked up or it was maybe it was this time of year where it's not cold enough for the full heater but you want a little bit of heat in your house so you have the space heater. Well, one of the kids had got up in the middle of the night and knocked the heater over. Oh, fuck. And the heater caught the house on fire. That's a rough fucking go. Fear mm-hmm. gas, that's a rough fucking go. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Paz came home to ashes of his house and his family. That's actually pretty sad. Yeah, his house and family were just, like, they all burned. It was, like, remember that scene out of Snatch? When they burned Homeboy's mom's trailer mm. up. Well, at the funeral home the next day, he laid down on his wife's sealed coffin and shot himself in the head. Mm-hmm. That's pretty fucking sad. Yeah. Well, instead of getting sad for Poss, he got mad at him. He didn't know what shooting himself was going to do. It didn't change jack shit. This just kind of solidifies how little respect the kerosene came has for life in general. Which we already know he has. We knew that. But goddamn. We knew. Every little story tells just a little bit more how much he doesn't give a fuck. So very little, if any at all. There are no fucks given. None. He said that he wasn't going to dwell on it, that that was the end of knowing Poss, and that was that. 
He was kind of bummed that he wasn't going to be working at the carnival anymore. He also found out that the person running the girly shows got 20 years in the federal for an auto theft ring. And everybody knew about him getting arrested for busting out Betty Jean's husband. Yeah. So the carnival was like, mm. uh, what what once was a hot, lucrative, you know, thing for him is now right because the people that he knew were like one's dead, one's in federal prison. Right, they all know that he got put in prison for busting out Betty Jane's husband. <laughs> as far as they knew, <coughs> Betty Jean didn't get caught though. He said, quote, I thought to myself, if I ever catch up to that bitch, I'll contort her into some shapes that she ain't never been in before. Him and Jerry headed back home. She didn't want to be with him because she knew it would never work out, so he agreed to take her back home. On the way home, he was speeding and was getting pulled over. She was sleeping at the time in the car on the passenger side. He floored it. Um, He was still wanted, so he knew if he got pulled over, he would have to go back. However, he blew a left front tire going about 80 or 90 miles per hour, which caused him to crash. Luckily for him, it was in a swamp. He (laughs) crawled out of the car and laid low in the swamp. They did get Jerry, he thinks. He heard them yelling at her to put her hands up and walk towards them, but he didn't look back to see anything. He's like, fuck that, fuck you, I'm out. He made his way through the swamp all night. When the sun came up, quote, another one of them pieces of pure luck kissed my dick. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yep. It was a railroad track. He was able to get his bearings and find a little dry land to rest on. He followed the train tracks for the whole next day. He came to a small town and slept in an empty freight freight car. Freight car. Yeah, right. When he woke up, he figured he was in Savannah, Georgia, but he wasn't sure. He found somewhere to wash up and get fresh clothes, then he got on the train and ended up back in Lumbee. When he got there, his old landlady was surprised to see him because the newspaper said that he had died in a swamp in Georgia after a car wreck. The papers said that his wife, Jerry, was held but released with no charges. The landlady gave him a hug and told him that she was glad that he didn't die, but told him his wife, Lenny, probably wouldn't be happy to see him after seeing all the reports about him and his other wife. (laughs) He eventually did see her and told her some bullshit story about how he almost died at the VA hospital and his ex-wife, Jerry, took care of him, and she must have believed it because she said, because he said, quote, I took her out to eat, and then we went back to the boarding house and had us some long, easy love fucks and sucks, and I went off to sleep drained and happy. There's many quotes in this, because how do you rephrase that? You just don't. It's such romance. How do you fucking rephrase that? Ah, well... I just don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know how to put that the in tender loving words. words of Pee Wee Gaskins <laughs> just can't be phrased differently. We love fucked all night oh, long God, till stop I was drained. It. It's so gross. Fuck. No. I have been less disgusted by fucking half decayed carcasses that my fucking cats leave on the back porch. Exactly. All right, hold on. 
Evidently, Lenny wasn't as happy as she said because she had called the police. And five of them woke him up the next morning when a woman decides to get her revenge. A man might as well bend over and kiss his asshole dick and balls goodbye. That's no shit, though. Yeah. When uh, whoever came up with that phrase, um, hell hath no fury, like a woman scorned, Mm -hmm. bitch, you ain't kidding. He was taken to Florence County Jail, and he was given some deal that he turned down because he was sure he could convince some jury that... Are you ready? Are you fucking ready for this? Oh, I'm ready. All right. There was no harm and nothing wrong in me having sweet love and sex with a 12-year-old girl. Nothing wrong at all. (laughs) Except the fact that she didn't want it. Um, I don't know. She was a virgin... You violated her in all of the ways possible. You scarred her indefinitely. Um, I mean, there was nothing. um, um, Well, he was wrong. He was sentenced to six years for statutory rape and two more for escaping. When he got back to the pen, a lot of things had changed. The name was now South Carolina Central Correctional Institute, or CCI for short. There was a new warden. The blacks and the whites were now integrated. There were no more power men, or so the warden said. Nobody belonged to anybody anymore again, according to the warden. But Pee-wee found the power men when he got there. His reputation had followed, followed him, and he was still on the top. Nobody dared cross him. This is what he had to say about the wardens, saying that they, saying that they still ran the prison. Anything we want brought in gets brought in anything and if there's any doubts at all about that statement just keep reading my story till the end and you'll see my final truth is the truth theirs is the lie (laughs) god damn it it don't really matter what the wardens and the lawyers and the judges and prosecutors decide to call something if it looks like an asshole and smells like an asshole it's good for only two things three at most That's fucking filthy. (laughs) I don't like it. He said that prison was a lot easier this time. He stayed clean for the most part. If he got in trouble, he made sure somebody else took the trouble for it. Took the trouble for it. Took the rap for it. In 1968, he had taken into the... He was taken into the warden's office. He told the warden that rehabilitation, not punishment, was really working. He was paroled after only four years. He had one condition. He could not set foot in Florence County for two years. Hmm. He was now 35 years old and determined, yet again, not to go back to prison. He wasn't planning on being good. He just planned on not getting caught. He was living in Sumter, working for a construction company. But in the evenings, he was stripping, reworking, and repainting stolen cars that he had uh, brought in from out of state. He was renting a little rundown place in the country that had a shed. He would, like in the future, we'll refer to this as the tenant house. He put locks on the doors and fixed it up so he could bring a, like a side piece there if he wanted that's nice. Or a piece. I guess he didn't really have anyone to make it a side piece, but he could bring a piece there. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> he said it was the perfect setup for him then, and it really suited him later. He was dealing with stolen things a lot. He'd started working with some druggies who stole things from him, and he paid, um, he paid them for it. They knew that he always carried a bunch of cash, but he wasn't worried about them robbing him. 
One night, though, they did at Knife Point. Go figure. Yeah, he was pissed. He wanted to teach them a lesson. So he went to their house and parked about a block away and waited for them. He had gone home and gotten an 11-inch knife that he called the Arkansas Toothpick, a 30-30 rifle, and an automatic Beretta. These three weapons you will hear a lot about for the rest of the episode. When they got home, he snuck up on them, pointed the Beretta at them, and made them get in the trunk of his car. He drove them to the swamps about 20 miles away and made them get out and give him all of their money, their watches, and their weed. He made them strip down, and he left them there naked. He told them if they crossed him again, he would string them up and cut off their balls. He carried weapons with him from then on, and the people he bought from treated him a lot better after that. His family all lived in Florence County. He was close to them and stayed in touch. Mary lived there, too. Which, if you if you remember, Mary was his first wife. Um, his daughter, Shirley, was now 17, and she was married and had her own kids already. He said it was now easier to get a piece of ass or strange stuff, as he called it. Oh, he God. said women were free. This is a quote. I didn't say this. <laughs> I oh. didn't say this. <laughs> Freer <laughs> with their pussy than I remember them being. I oh, heard my. it was because of that new pill that made them not have to be afraid of getting knocked up every time they fucked. And then I puked in my mouth. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Fucking. No. <laughs> okay. Now, even though it was easier to get pussy, he said, he still got bothersome feelings in his guts. He couldn't explain it and didn't know why it happened, but he had to get away from anyone he cared about when it did. He had to go for drives along the coast to help ease these feelings. So he would go along to go get hitchhikers. Right. And he would pick them up and tell them, where do you want to go? And they would tell him where he wanted to go and be like, all right, well, do you want to give me a blowjob? Or, all right, I'll do that, but do you want to have sex with me? Or, or his favorite was, when we get there, we can get a hotel together. And we'll stay the night together. That was right. that was his whole that was his whole thing. Okay. <laughs> right. Right. The girls who told him no made him the most upset. He wanted them even more. Of course, it's the ones that reject him and those are the ones you just he can't help himself. His self. His self. I'm not going to get in the habit of saying that. Dude, I, I clearly no. already am. So, I, like, don't let the fucking tooth fool you. <laughs> <laughs> don't let the tooth fool you. I can get that am in there. <laughs> well, he wanted him even more, but not just to have sex with him. He daydreamed about things like hanging them up by their feet and whipping them bloody, and worse. Is that not normal? Um, I, I feel like that's pretty normal. I always have those. Thoughts. I mean, when people turn me down. I want to torture them. You know what I mean? Like, I just... My fragile ego can't handle it. No. No, no, no. He would get these feelings about every two weeks or so. In 1969, he said the feelings were so strong that he could barely breathe. So, like you do, Mm -hmm. he went for a drive to Myrtle Beach, which is apparently where you go to kill things. 
You snatch them up and you kill them. Or, or you just go to clear your head. Uh, if that's what we're going to call it. <laughs> sure. He was looking for high checker. <laughs> high checkers. If you don't know what that is, look it up. It's hitchhikers <clears throat> that actually do like the can-can. They're high checkers. <laughs> well, he looked for the hitchhikers that were alone. He found one. She was pretty, so he picked her up. She said she was going to Charleston, and he said she talked nonstop. He suggested he suggest, suggested that they go to Charleston and get a nice dinner and get a room together. Well, she declined. How rude. That How, bitch. That bitch. Trying to keep her pussy to herself. Oh, hoity-toity. Fuck. You uppity bunch of <laughs> twat hairs. He said he wasn't gonna said he wasn't gonna give her a ride then and stopped to let her out. This is where he got the bright idea to kill her. He was excited and wondered why he had never thought of this before. If she wasn't dead, she can't tell. Right? Because dead people can't tell nobody. No. I don't know if ain't nobody told you afore. If they dead, they don't talk. Mm-mm. Well God damn. When she turned to reach for her duffel bag, he hit her three times. She didn't move. He used the seatbelt to tie her hands behind her back. He put his belt around her neck. At this time, he remembered one of those mobster buddies telling him that killers don't get caught if bodies aren't found. That seems pretty simple, actually. And this is one part where we prepare ourselves for what is coming along. Yeesh. Morning. (laughs) Well... He drove down a dirt road and found a rusted police system used for logging. She was starting to come to. He went to her side, yanked her out of the car by the belt around the neck. She was screaming, so he took out his handy-dandy Arkansas toothpick and put it in her nostril and told her to shut up. He stripped her naked and spread her legs. He got naked and made her suck him. He wasn't super interested in the blowjob because... He said whenever he got them, he got them whenever he wanted them. Yeah. So, what's so special about this her one? Job. Yeah. He laid her on her back and straddled her. He asked if he could suck her titty, and she said, okay. Like, what is she going to say? No. He pinched her nipple and cut it off with that big old Arkansas toothpick. She screamed, so he choked her even tighter with the belt. He put the nipple in his mouth and the blood dripped into her face because she was he was straddling her still. She was crying and he said, don't cry, I'll share. And put it in her mouth. That was nice. Mm-hmm. And he made her chew it and swallow it. She puked all over and he said that it made him mad because it was uncalled for. Because if you can't put your own lacerated nipple in your mouth and chew it and swallow i mean god yeah he stood up and stomped her pussy bone that's what he called it and that's nice he was all upset because he didn't keep his boots on because that would have had a better effect he turned her over and started raping her like anally Mm -hmm. he decided not to kill her yet he wanted to kill her where he was going to bury her. 
So he tied her shirt around her chest to keep the blood from getting everywhere and put her in the trunk. He was talking about how blood was so hard to clean out of that car that we don't want blood anywhere. He told her that if she cooperated, he wouldn't kill her. He read about this strategy in a Nazi book. Who else read Nazi books that like to kill people and cut them up? I don't know. (laughs) Ed. Hello. Hello. Nipples. (sighs) <sighs> Something about cutting off and Nazis must have cut off nipples because Nazis did some fucked up two. shit, dude. There's two that cut off the nipples that read Nazi books. I'm sure there's plenty more, but two that I have read about. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> he gathered the pulley and chain and put them in the car too. He went to the store with her in the trunk, bought fifty feet of clothesline. Um and she was back there being so good so that he wouldn't kill her. Because she, like, actually oh, believed darling. him that he wasn't going to kill her. Oh, well. Supplies! Yeah. He drove to the swamp. He tied her with a piece of clothesline and put her panties in her mouth, tied a piece of her shirt around her mouth and used it as a gag. He tied her up with her knees up to her chin, then put the knife, that that big 11-inch toothpick, up her ass about an inch. Then he slowly put the rest of it in and sliced upwards on the way out. Jesus. Yeah. He wrapped the chain around her for weight, drug her to the swamp where he sunk her, still alive. For a few minutes, anyway. He said he watched until the bubbles stopped. Who does that remind you of? Me when I'm talking to my kids? I don't know. Right. Well, I mean, I have never threatened to put a bladed weapon in their anus. No, just to watch them till the bubble stopped. Yes, that. That I was thinking of Ronald Gene Simmons. Well, that too. dumped them and watched them till the bubble stopped. When he got back to the car, he remembered her stuff was in there. So he looked through it. She had about $300 in cash. He said her identification said her name was Leela or Lila or something, and she was from up north. He kept the cash and put everything else in her bag and sunk it in the swamp with her so that it couldn't be found either. Because he was he was really firm on not keeping trophies because his little mob buddies were like, don't keep anything, don't keep the body. If, you can't, if they can't find anything, then they don't have no evidence. If they can't find the body, there's no crime. He went to the truck stop cafe and had a steak, like you do after you cut a nipple off and murder someone. Why wouldn't you? Yep. Fucking, hey, that's hard work. You uh, happen to drive your appetite up when you do. Right up. He even left a $5 tip for the waitress. Oh, that was quite generous. And he sang with the radio on the way home and said it was the best he had felt in a long time. Well, that's good. Good for you, Pee-wee. I'm Thanks, glad you're feeling Pee-wee. good. You feeling better? That's <laughs> nice. That's nice. Well, good thing that Pee-wee's feeling better. But by the next morning, he woke up shaking and sweating. He'd even pissed the bed. Yeah. He was upset that he had, commit, he had committed a murder without planning or preparing. He was all of the what-ifs and you know, shoulda, coulda, wouldas, through his head. He was going through the mistakes that he made. He decided that he needed to be more prepared from now on. Mm -hmm. There's planning and preparations that 
One needs to make before he removes nipples, shanks a butthole, and drowns somebody in the swamp. Uh-huh. Well, he Go was figure. like, yeah, he was like, there's so many things that I've done wrong, like going to the store with her in the trunk. What the fuck were you thinking, Pee-wee? Goddamn, Pee-wee! Jesus, you need to be prepared. You need to have that shit before you pick up a hitchhiker. <laughs> By stupid, the stupid, stupid, stupid. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, just, I wished you guys had seen that. I should film you doing that. <laughs> damn it, damn it, damn it, stupid, stupid, stupid. Stupid, 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 pee-wee. Pee-wee, stupid. <laughs> All right. By the end of 1969, he had done three coastal killings. He said in 1970, he averaged about one every six weeks. He said there was nothing out of the ordinary to say about them. He just said that some of them he cut, some of them he burned. He ran a cable in and out of one and hung her up by it. Now, time out. Wrap your brain around that little nugget. There was nothing out of the ordinary. There was nothing out but he ran a cable. Can I tell you though how fucking thankful I was that he did not describe everything? He didn't, yeah, one like he didn't elaborate on some of this, and it's for the best. When I read that part, I was like, God bless you, Pee Wee, because there really Fuck. is just enough. Um, just enough. There's really more than enough in a lot yeah. of the things that he talks about, and especially when he talks about how he rapes people, mm-hmm. it's perverse. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, he had pumped another full of water, which seemed to hurt her. He filled her up till it came out of her nose. He said that she died too quick, and he didn't like that, so we didn't do that one again. No. And remember, we had touched base on this when we mm-hmm. did episode number one with the coastal killings. He said that he liked... <clears throat> excuse me. He said that he, he killed them all the same, though, by sinking them. He never killed any of them like that before. Intentionally. Not intentionally. (laughs) There was no intention. That was not. That was not my intended purpose. He filled the one up with water and she died. So I had to sink her. (sighs) Fuck. It was not my intended purpose. Mm -mm. Now, 1970 rolls around. This is when he started doing his... Finger quote, serious murders. (laughs) He said that before that, he hadn't ever thought about killing anybody he knew. He said that he did the coastal killings so that he could keep his regular life normal. He said that he would take girls on dates and that they would park and love fuck. Love fuck. And that was that. November 70, excuse me, November 1970, was when all of that would change. He literally put it like this in the book. Okay? Are you ready? Sorry, it's not funny, but it is. Mary. Final truth. Janice Kirby, 15. Patricia Ann Allsbrook, 17. So when we say final truth out of nowhere, that means he's getting ready to talk about someone he just killed. He killed him dead. Deader than a doornail. Dead as dead could be. What's funny is that doors nowadays don't have nails, so that saying is completely obsolete. It's outdated and antiquated, and we shouldn't <laughs> fucking use it no more. <laughs> Deader than a door screw. D- uh, yeah. 404 link not found. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. 
Pee-wee's sister had a daughter named Janice who was 15 years old, and she had a friend named Patricia. 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 Oh, wait, wait, wait. Get it. Get it while the getting's good. Wait, what did you say her name was? Patricia. Patricia. (laughs) Oh, my God. Anyway. Well, so does it. He often hung out at the drive-in for a burger. Well, so did they. They were, like, always calling him Uncle Pee-wee. Ugh. When their group of friends saw him, they would call him over and ask him to buy a beer. He wouldn't because he didn't think kids that age should drink. (laughs) So you're saying Pee Wee had morals. You can fuck them, but you can't buy them a drink. His thought process, like I, he is up there on the top of people that I would love to talk to. People that are dead that I want to question him behind bars like i yeah maybe i don't know i've already read the book like i'm fucking violated as is like we might as well have a conversation now okay one night he was stopped by some of the girls because janice had drank too much and she couldn't go home like that so Wee agreed to take care of her because the girl who was driving the car that she was in had to go home like at 10 o'clock and it was 10.05. So they were like, get her the fuck out of the car. I got to go home. Wee agreed to take care of her and Patricia came with her. He took them to the drive-in and got them all some coffee. Janice took a sip and puked it out and she was like all upset about it. She's like, I'm so sorry, Uncle Wee." He said that she needed a cold shower and Patricia agreed. She thought that meant that like somewhere in town they would go take her so she could go take a shower. But he took them to the country to his little tenant house in Sumter. Patricia wasn't really on board with this, but she didn't argue. He took the girls in and put Janice in the shower. Patricia said maybe that she should do this. And he was like, no, it's okay. I've been bathing her since she was a baby. Gross. Does that, like, not make you wildly uncomfortable? Yeah, extremely. So they gave her a shower, and he made it sound like it was, they were all laughing and giggling, and everybody got wet, and they had a great time. Like, Patricia and Pee Wee also got soaking wet, and it was just a fun time giving Janice a shower. God damn, dude. Yeah. They'd I've been washing her since she was a baby. baby. <laughs> fucking. I know. Like, there's so much of this. And I'm like, fucking lie. If you was <laughs> telling me this story, I'd be like, lie. Lie. Please don't. <laughs> they took her out of the shower and wrapped her up in a sheet. Because apparently Pee Wee doesn't have towels. I don't know. Or maybe they dried her off and then put her in a sheet. Okay. Pee Wee went and took his clothes off so that they could... <laughs> Quote, see his state. Meaning that he had a raging fucking boner. Of course he did. Why wouldn't he? Because it's his niece, drunk. Naked. At 15, naked. And he's like 35. Oh, yeah. Incest, rape, underage girls. Yeah. All the things to make a fucking fly boner pie. (laughs) Jesus. Gross, man. Fuck. All right. Sorry. Uh, Sorry about that. Well, she saw him naked and started to try to leave. And he pulled out the toothpick. He told her to sit on the bed and not make any noises. 
This is Patricia, who tried to leave after she saw his state. He said he had to teach Janice a lesson about not getting that drunk. Well, please tell me how one teaches that lesson, Nikki. Mm-hmm. She never got drunk again, I'll tell you that. No, she didn't. Patricia sat while he turned Janice on her back and spread her legs. He said he... Tinker her quilts. Yeah, I hate this. I took hate... a quick taste. If anybody ever tells me they want to taste me again, I'm going to be like, you can fuck off. I know. What used to be something kind of sexy and like is naughty and now it's forever. fucked up. Forever. I can't. Don't you don't never want to fucking taste me, motherfucker. <laughs> no. Ooh. Yeah, he said, um, after he said that, he laid on top of her. Janice sobered up really quickly and started fighting him. He was getting ready to rape her, and she said, and he said something hit him on the head, and he was knocked out for a second. When he came to, the girls were gone. He grabbed his pants and his pistol, and he saw that they were running down the dirt road. He jumped at his car and chased them. When he got close, they ran into the woods, so he fired a shot in the air and told them to stop. And they did. I would rather get what? fucking shot than No, rape. I don't. No, I don't. No, I'd I'm have been not, like, fuck it, shoot, shoot me. I'm going to serpentine the fucking, I'm going to serpentine zigzag, zigzag. out of here. God. God. <laughs> shoot at me, motherfucker. Go. Do it. You better wound me, though, if you want to do what you're trying to do, because I ain't stopping. You better get fucked and mm-hmm. not the way you want. No. Pee-wee. Mm-mm. Yuck. So he shoots. And they stop. He grabs them both and puts them in the trunk of the car because he wasn't taking no chances. <laughs> he took them back to the house. He told Patricia to get naked. She said no. So, like you do, he backhanded her. Her glasses went flying and blood pours out of her nose. She sat on the bed and started to cry. He told her to shut the fuck up and take off her clothes or he was going to shoot her. Things got a little crazy after this while he was watching Patricia Janice started running for the door. He grabbed her and pistol whipped her and she falls to the floor. When he was turned around, Patricia was coming at him with a two by four. So he jumped out of the way as she swung. He grabbed her by the hair, shoves a gun in her nose, puts her down onto the bed, face down and handcuffs her. He handcuffed Janice, who wasn't breathing too good. He said that she twitched every few seconds. He picked her up and carries her to the bed. Now, time out. Yeah. Question time. Let me pose a question. Okay. Do you think that itty bitty peewee can carry a 15 year old that is 100% dead weight from the floor to the bed? I don't think so. No. I mean, I know that men are stronger than women, but he's little. I have a hard time. Like, it's difficult for a six foot ripped dude, most guys. Like, if you were to grab a, a sturdy 16-year-old girl that weighs, let's say they weigh 160 pounds and they're 5'5". Five five. That's pretty sturdy built. You know what I mean? Right. But dead weight? Like, dead lift off the fucking floor? I don't know, man. And I get that there's adrenaline in the equation, but still, that's... It just feels like Pee-wee's full of shit. What? He tried to continue to strip Patricia, but because she was fighting him like crazy, he wasn't succeeding the way that he wanted. He knew that his hands were full with the two of them, so he had decided, well, I had to kill him. Of course. Because that's what you do. 
That's the answer to everything. Well, one would think not, but he hit Patricia on the top of the head with his pistol and knocked her out. He knew he had to get rid of their bodies because, bum, 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 listen, Shane, if there's no body, there's no crime. Mm-hmm. He went and gathered up all of their belongings, redressed them. Ah, this is actually pretty clever. So that he knew that he had everything. Yep. There's no missing, like, a sock for each foot, a pair of panties, a pair of britches, a left shoe, right shoe. Like, all right. All right, Pee Wee, we got it. Got it. He put Patricia in the trunk. He went to a nearby vacant house that had a big septic tank. His initial plan was to shatter her skull to make sure she was dead, but... He didn't want to make that big of a mess. He ended up just putting her in the sludge and, finger quote, waited for the bubbles to stop. Okay. Yeah, right. Kind of reminds me of septic tanks, Tam, but with more details. He went back to the house and, dum-dum-dum-dum-dum, Janice was dead. He dug her grave behind the barn and buried her there. He buried their purses near the neck, Whatever the fuck that is. I'm going, like, near the neck of the river or, like, the neck of the bog, like, where the water runs in. Right. And he never, like, specified. He just kept calling it the neck. And I was like, I'm not there. Paint me a picture, please. Explain yourself. Or don't. Fuck. Paint me a picture with your words. God, you sound so much like Shirley when you say it like that. (laughs) Like, you really can imitate his daughter entirely too well. I watched it too many times. I also knew people like that. I worked with them at Dalbo. It just really... Fuck. And they were from Tennessee. It doesn't surprise me. And they said seven. Seven. About six or seven times. It was about six or seven months that we didn't know where she was. No. Uh, all right. Well, he got questioned a lot for a long time. Their friends told everyone that he was the last person they saw the girls with. He told everyone, including the families, that he did have the girls with him and that they had gone to the drive-in with him, but that they were asking him about California and indicated that they had wanted to run away. I love how everybody does this. Like, not everybody, but a lot of, of murderers. Well, they were talking about California. Hello, Mary Vincent. Yeah. Well, she was talking about running away, and she was hitchhiking between here and Reno, and you that know that was I mean? the last I saw. They there are so many. There. Well, they were talking about running away. Hello, Dean fucking Coral. Like children were missing, boys were missing all over the place. And they're like, well, they probably just ran away from home. It is the seventies, and back then it was like, all right, all right well, fuck, I guess cool. so. He said they got in a car with some boys. Mm-hmm. In Orangeburg. Mm-hmm. I don't know where that is, but it's got to be close. And he never saw them again. Their disappearances basically got chalked up to runaways. Like, we said, like, oh, well, I guess they did. Patricia's body wasn't found until 1976 when he was on death row and gave it up so he could make a deal. Janice wasn't found until 1978 when he gave up more graves to try to get out of the electric chair. 
but he didn't leave them to her actual grave at first. He had buried other bodies by Janice that he didn't want them to know about because at the time he swore under oath that they weren't any more bodies. <laughs> so he led them to a different girl that was her age near Prospect, which was another town around there. Yeah. they. Asked, I, I love how we both... <sighs> They asked why he buried them so far apart, and he said that it was because Janice was kin and he wanted her close to her family. Okay. Okay. There were lots of questions about whether or not that was Janice's body. Autopsies and dental records all seemed to have some problem or another, like they got lost or they weren't accurate or whatever. His family came to visit him in prison and asked if that was her body, and he said no. He told them he was forced to say it was her and that he didn't kill her. Like, so he's still playing innocent when his family comes. He's like, no, that's not her body. That's somebody else. But I was forced to say it. Whatever. He said he got Patty high on drugs and they sent Janice to California. He told them that he and Patty argued about sex, so he killed her and dumped her in the septic tank. I think that... This is one of the reasons that he wanted to wait until he died to get the book published. Because he said he finally told the truth about her murder. And he knew it would destroy his sister. Like, this was the first time he told the truth about Janice. And he didn't want to be alive when it destroyed his sister. What a nice guy. That's so sweet. So, that brings us to Final Truth. Peggy Catino, 13 years old. This murder was in December of 1970. It's actually the murder that got the police's attention away from Patricia and Janice. Peggy's murder was a little different because her dad was a big politician. Her body was left where it was easy to be found so that she couldn't be chalked up as a runaway like the other two were. Uh, this is the murder that got pinned on Junior Pierce. Pee-wee later confessed to it. Um, I'm still not convinced about it, though, and neither were the judges, jury, or anybody because Junior never got out on it. But uh, why would he go against the nobody, no crime thing? You'll see as the story is told about her. Every time you hear the final truth, this is kind of what I think, like, Oh, shit. Here we go again. <laughs> Every time... You, oh, every time you do. Back to after they found the body. They went after Pee-wee even though he had stayed out of trouble with the law. He was picked up and questioned by all the law. He named who questioned him and then said, I expected the fucking Marines to show up next. Well, they fucking should have. He had what he said was a tight alibi. They didn't believe him because he and his alibi could account for every hour. And let's be honest, dude, nobody can fucking do that. That's the, my whole hang up with most of this book. Is, is how he, does he remember all of this? I don't know. Maybe he's one of those people. Like you run into a person, it's kind of like the person I was talking to you about that was like has six kids from ages 17 to like newborn, has a full-time job, single mom, uh-huh. And finds time to do all of her laundry and then hang it to dry. Like, maybe he's one of those people internally. I don't know. But if you asked me to account for every hour 
of every day of shit that happened 20 years ago, I'd be like, well, that's not going to fucking happen. No. A, ecstasy was a goddamn blast. B, alcohol may have permanently damaged my brain. And even if I was completely sober, fuck you, that was 20 years ago. Yeah, I don't have, I didn't, I've never done ecstasy. I I did a little bit of alcohol, but not that much. I didn't drink myself to death. No, and I can't <laughs> remember if somebody was like, 20 years ago, we would have been just graduating high school. What were you doing? I don't fucking know. Um, I, had I don't short even know hair. where I lived. I know where I lived. I lived at Red... I do know where I lived. I, uh, Flaming Gorge Meadows. Mm. Worked at Red Canyon Lodge. I had very short hair, and I smoked a little pot. Uh, a little pot? A little pot. Um, that being said, he was given a lie detector test. Guess what? Passed. Weird. He was released. William Jr. Pierce was arrested for her murder and sentenced to life in prison. But Pee Wee said the final truth was that Jr. Pierce did not killed Peggy Cotino. I did. Mm-hmm. Well, that being said, in 1978, when he was on trial for another murder, he confessed to killing Peggy again. He said they gave him truth serum, and that's when he confessed. By the way, it's called sodium pentanol. I have that in there later when he explains it. Um, and I only know that because of the movie... True Lies with uh, mm. Jamie Lee Curtis and fucking love that Arnold movie. Schwarzenegger. Me too. And Tom Arnold. Mm-hmm. Hey, buddy. <laughs> Great movie. Yes, uh, Sodium Pentanol. Okay. They didn't believe him and said the case was closed and that he was just doing it for more publicity. What? Final truth. No wonder Henry Zabrowski fucking says it all the time the way he does. And that's the final truth. I wished we were as funny as he is. I do too. It's just not going to ever happen. No. Here's how Pee Wee said it all went down when he murdered Peggy. Like we said it before, uh, it was December of 1970. He was working construction. He was out on a job and Peggy just happened to walk by. Small town and he knew who she was. When she walked by, he said, hi, Peggy. And she stuck her nose up in the air at him. And one of her friends asked her, who was that? And she said, just white trash, can't you tell? Oh. I mean, when you're right, you're right. not wrong. (laughs) She's just telling the truth. Final truth. Final truth, he's white trash. He had already been having one of those bothersome feelings that he had, and it had been going on for a few days. Then this uppity bitch kinked her nose up in the air to him. How dare she? And he was pissed. He knew better than to react right then, though. (laughs) Howsomever. Listen, this is how he said it. This is not us. This is him. I'm stealing it. I'm just saying. Howsomever is my new favorite. Fucking howsomever. I laughed and laughed and my computer kept trying to fix it. And I was like, fuck you. Let me keep it. The things that autocorrect has done to me. (laughs) And then howsomever. He got off work and went to a club where he got in three fights and he was still having these feelings. So he decided that he needed the coast. Mm-hmm. Howsomever. <laughs> the next day he picked up a hitchhiker about noon and he said he wasn't finished with her until about sundown. He wanted to make sure he hurt her really bad. Worse than the others. When she finally sank, he was relieved. 
But he said he still couldn't get that, quote, Miss Peggy bitch out of his head. So he called out of work for the next few days and told his boss that he was in Charleston talking business. Business. He prepaid for a room for the next few days in Charleston, but then drove to Sumter and parked outside Peggy's house. When she came out, he grabbed her. He said she didn't scream, but she did piss her panties. Okay. I probably fucking would too. He took okay. Yeah. He took her to his barn where he did his car work in the his tenant house. Suppose. He said he raped her and he burned her and lots of other things before he killed her. The reason he said he didn't bury her in the swamp is because he knew her family would never stop looking for her. He was afraid that they would go looking in the swamp and find all of his other bodies, so he dumped her where she was easy to be found and went back to Charleston, where he had this prepaid room that was apparently an alibi. He said the autopsy files were sealed to spare the family. The only thing that was released was that she had burns all over. They kept calling them cigarette burns. And here's what he had to say about that. Okay. So, it's logical to say that the only person outside of the coroner and the court officials who know the truth about them burns is the one who did the torture and the murder. And that weren't Junior Pierce. And then burns weren't made with no cigarettes. I poured acid on her. A trickle Ooh, at a time. God. Fuck. So there's that. Yeah. In 1971, his parole was up so he could go to Florence County again. But he had a lot more people watching him now, so he made some changes. One was getting married at the first of the year. That's what we do when we need to... I need to make a change. I'm going to get married. No. That's the... No. Um, He said she was pregnant, so he wanted to be with her. Apparently, their son was born in June, but he didn't say much about him or even mention the wife's name ever throughout the book, the son or the wife. He was now working at Kolb's used auto, rebuilding old cars. He was still doing his thing with the car stripping on the side because he still had his place in the country. But he didn't go there much and nobody knew about it still. Funny thing is, his daughter and her family live by the place where he met up with his guys that brought him all the uh, stolen car parts. Mm -hmm. Little did they know that all of the visits were because... He was there to get stolen parts. What a good daddy. I'm going to go visit my kids this weekend. Really, I'm just picking up a car and And I'm using that for a a hide. A hide. You uh, know what I mean? Okay. I just got, we make car parts for the American people. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I was just checking out the uh, roto-dirter cuff. I'm retarded. All right. Uh, he was still having his painful needs and he would tell his wife that he just had to get away for a few days. He said he also went to the clubs and got a strange piece. She knew that he did this. Mm-hmm. Now, he said all of his wives knew about his side pieces and put up with it. He wasn't sure if it was because they truly loved him or because they were afraid of him. I'm going to go with the fucking ladder. Yeah. 
Of course, I I don't fucking know. Who am I kidding? All right, sweetie. You're not lying about it. You can go have that side piece because you told me. I really just don't even know. Like, why would you get involved with that type of human being in the first place? And especially a person of his caliber and history. So then when he says that he's going to go and get himself a side piece, is it because they really love him or because they're afraid? Why would it, why why would you get involved with him in the first place? Was it because you were afraid? Because I'm feeling kind of like that's likely. It could be. Because if you pissed him off, you ended up dead in anyway. The swamp. Right? In the swamp. Uh, well, that being said, in 1971, he did 11 coastal kills. He even picked up two women at once. He wasn't sure if that was a good idea because of what happened with Janice and Patricia. But he learned his lesson from that, and he made sure they were both bound immediately so they couldn't run. He loved having one watch the other be tortured. It was a sick sick game for him, and he loved the fear in their eyes. That makes me sick. I don't like it. That's pretty dirty. Do I, I mean, do I like seeing the fear in somebody's eyes? Yeah, over a good scary prank, not because they're watching somebody be tortured to death. That's fucked up. A little bit. Not a little bit. All all the bits. All the bits. So many's, all the many's. Now, we're going to get into the final truth of Martha Ann Dix, who was 20 years old. You ever think about what a person's phone book name would look like? Dix, Martha. Dix, Martha Ann, Dix. <laughs> I just, I, I have a really hard time with that. Not that it matters anymore because nobody uses a goddamn phone book, but there were plenty of people that like, like the lady in Roosevelt, she's way dead and gone, but her name was Fanny Felter. Oh, So Lord. in the phone book, it was Felter Fanny, and I used to think that was so goddamn funny. Anyway, Dix, Martha. Martha. All right. He described her as a loud bitch who thought she was something special because she had done two years in reform school, smoked reefer, got high-end pills, and ate pussy. What a bad bitch. I feel gross when I say it like that. I know. I this You're going to go home and take a multiple showers. Well, she called herself Clyde to let people know she was Lebanese. <laughs> it, that's how it said it. There are so many things in the book that I was like, I got to keep this because... <laughs> The best part is that she was a lesbian, but she was Lebanese. She was Lebanese. Fuck, Pee Wee. Get it together. Le- no, lesbianese. Lesbianese? Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> my brain autocorrected it to Lebanese. <laughs> because I don't know what lesbianese is. Well, then I went with you. Oh, I was fuck. like, yep, like, that's yeah, it. Le- Le- Lebanese. Fuck Les- me. All right. She was lesbianese. Lesbianese. She was a Libesian. Yes. He said that she had already been given the correct name of Dix because she thought she had one. (laughs) He went out on how he understands what pussy does to a person and that he didn't blame her for wanting to eat it. But he thinks pussies were meant for men to lick and fuck and okay, you butt fucking dick sucking cunt. That, (laughs) wait for it, wait for it. 
It was supposed to be a corn reference, but I couldn't remember how it went, and I needed to focus, so I didn't look it up. The oh. cock-sucking something, piss-sucking, co- yeah. You know what song? Yes. He said he didn't kill her because she was black. He said, he's been to KK... <laughs> Fuck, sorry, it's funny. It's not. It's this, not this funny. Just this guy, the way he Just the way thinks. he talks and mm-hmm. puts things out. He said he's been to KKK rallies and meetings, but he never flogged or killed somebody because they were black. Duh. Well, just, I just wanted you to know. Uh, well, Jesus. He killed her because she was a loud mouth. She did, however, have sex for money with men. She, oh. Yeah. She said she could suck a two-inch ball bearing through a half-inch pipe. And he said... She did give a mean, heavy, sucking blow job. I just wanted to make sure everybody else was just as violated as I was by that. Well, all right. Secretly, he liked to listen to her stories. He thought she was funny and kind of entertaining, but she started messing with him. She kept talking about how Pee-wee really filled her up and he knew how to eat some pussy. She did this day after day, and he finally got sick of it. And And she said... I would let you suck, this is a quote, I would let you suck my ass, Pee-wee, but you'd probably like the taste of my shit so much that I couldn't get rid of you. What set him off? Of course it did, because why wouldn't it? She didn't come around for a few weeks after that. He thought she was gone for good. When she came back, she told everyone she was pregnant with a little Pee-wee. Oh, my. And she was going to name the baby Pee-wee Dicks. Lord have mercy. He blew it off, but told her that he wanted to talk to her right after he got off work. Now, remember, go back. Go back to episode one. Remember when we talked about the the black woman? She mm-hmm. was lying out her mouth. She was a lying-ass mouth. This is her. Yep. All right. Proceed. Um, he, he wanted a blowjob and an ass fuck, but he didn't want it in the garage. He wanted to go to his place in the country. She agreed. So they got to his place in the country, and he gave her a bunch of pills that he had acquired from his coastal killings. He says he didn't keep anything, but now all of a sudden he has these pills that he kept from people? Mm. Hmm. Bullshit. He didn't know what they were, but she did, and she took them all and got high and was singing and dancing and finally fell across the bed. She told him to get naked. He rolled her over and put the handcuffs on her. She started yelling, so he punched her in the jaw and she fell on the floor. When she tried to get up, he kicked her in the face. He made her take more pills, and he was making her wash them down with beer, of course. Mm. And once she passed out, he dragged her to the car because she was too big to carry. See, this is the time that he says that he dragged her. She was too big. Mm Mm-hmm. He put her in the back seat. Even that is a fucking chore right there. Trying to put a deadweight body in the back seat. But I guess she's... Well, no, she was passed out. Deadweight in the back seat. Dude, and I... Okay, let's 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 talk about this realistically because I'm pretty sturdy. You know what I mean? And I'm strong for a, a woman. And everybody knows this about me. Like, I will fight you like a dude. And, and I can't... Like, if my 13-year-old niece flops over on me and does like human blanket i'm like god now can i move her i can with great effort but she's like a hundred pound 13 year old you know what i mean 
Yeah, the reason that I know this is because... Like, could I pick her up and cart her to a vehicle and put her in the back seat or get her up on a bed? Probably not, dude. So, when... (laughs) This is the most romantic story I'm ever going to tell in my life. Okay. The night before my wedding, my ex-husband passed out in the bathtub. We were in Vegas. We had been drinking. He passed out. And I was going to, like, try to you know, get him out of the bathtub at least so I could put a blanket on him, get him warm, put him in a bed. I tried for 30 minutes to lift him out of that bathtub. And the, and he he weighs, what, 180, 190 maybe. Yeesh. And I, and yeah, nope. There was no dead lifting him out of this bathtub. Nope. It's just dead weight. They're just like, Bleh. No, because I can normally pick him up. Or I could. I could normally pick him up and haul him places if I needed to, but not from dead weight. So, Pee Wee, I'm calling your bullshit right here. Anyway, he put her in the back seat. Before they got to the swamp, he knew she was dead because she had shit herself and she smelled awful. I don't need to be dead to do that. No. Like, if you crack me on the back of the head or feed me too much 151... Which I don't do anymore. I'm likely to shit myself. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> it's he, like that sometimes. Yep. He sunk her in the ditch. He went back to clean up the tenant house and clean the shit out of his car. The final truth he wanted everybody to know about her was that he didn't kill her because she's black. He didn't <laughs> kill her because she was pregnant with his baby or a lesbian. He killed her because of her lying mouth. Because she was lying out her lying goddamn mouth. Your lying ass mouth, bitch. Lying out your fucking lie hole with your lying mouth. Why are you always lying? Why the fuck you lying? Okay. Final truth. Anne Culberson, 16. He picked up Anne when he was on his way back from dropping off his wife and kid with some relatives at the beach for a few weeks. He didn't have the bothersome feelings. The situation just presented itself. Like it does. Like it does. It's kind of like when you walk into the grocery store and they got buy one, get one 50% off. I wasn't going to get two bags of chicken nuggets, but the situation presented itself. Right. It's like when you're hungry. At the store, and they're giving out those samples. I hadn't planned on eating part of a cheesy apple turnover, but the situation presented (laughs) presented itself. She was pretty, and she had been partying with some friends at the beach house and decided to save some money by hitchhiking home instead of riding the bus. Both are shitty choices. Mm -hmm. She was headed to Atlanta, and Pee Wee told her that he was too. He had taken her to his place in the country, and when they got there, she asked what they were doing. He pulled the barrette on her. He kept her with him for four days and four nights. No, I don't like it. He said she was a sweet girl and did everything that he asked. The only time she cried is when he put things deep inside her. He said he never intended to hurt her. He really liked her. He could tell things... Mm-hmm. He could tell the things he was doing to her hurt her really bad, like when he covered her pee hole with plumbum and things like that. But he was just pleasuring himself. I don't... This is... Okay. These are the things that bother me about him. He's like, I don't fucking care. Like, you're so sweet. Let's have some sex. I'm sorry that this hurt you, but it pleasures me. 
Why? Like, it, there's so many instances like that, and it just shows his fucking stupidity. Well, just in case y'all are wondering what plum bum is. Oh, yeah. I meant to. It's uh, it's an obsolete name for lead two. So, he had taken a, like, uh, freshly cut thin piece of lead and like covered her pee pee with it covered mm-hmm. her pee hole her urethra let's talk let's call it what it actually is well, i had to use the words that he used so I that everybody could be just as violated by the way he describes Fuck. things as i, I was except for there is no way unless you read the book there is no way to be just as violated as i was no because when he got sick of hearing her scream he would hit her with a ball peen hammer just hard enough to knock her out so she couldn't feel the pain when it was time, he went out, dug her a grave, carried her out to it, and slit her throat. He was hoping she wouldn't wake up and suffer, and she didn't. He was... Ugh. He said he was calm during this murder. There was no anger. Around the end of 1971, he decided that it was time to get rid of his place in the country. He wasn't afraid of getting caught for the murders, but he was afraid that he was going to get caught for car stripping. That being said, he moved his wife and his kid to North Charleston. He worked at a couple of different garages and still did the car stripping thing. He was also close to the coast for when he got those feelings. And that's the final truth. So there's that. 1972. 70. Final truth. Oh, God. Eddie Brown and Birdie Brown. Eddie Brown, 24. Birdie Brown, 20. Mm-hmm. The two dudes that brought him stolen cars to strip and such came to where he worked to pay him a visit, which was a huge no-no in their agreement. However, they came to tell him about a guy named Eddie Brown. He was a huge guy that the, that called himself Real Big Motherfucker. Perfect. I dubbed myself real big motherfucker. That's like me dubbing myself big fat ass. I don't know. Like, <laughs> let's give ourselves a name that is totally fucking obvious. He said Eddie was married to the longest leg, best looking black girl he ever saw. And he, don't worry, he went into detail about how if a black girl was ever to give him a boner, mm-hmm. it would be her. Perfect. Fuck up, man. He really liked Eddie and his wife, Bertie. He invited them over for dinner, and only sometimes, though, because it had to be when his wife was gone because she was racist and didn't like being around black folk. Both of them were black, if you haven't caught on to this by now. Eddie was into stolen guns. Pee Wee started helping him run guns. Eddie got picked up by the feds, though. And when he was released, because they didn't have enough to, like, completely hold him on, he called Pee-wee and asked him to get him hooked up ASAP so he could afford a good lawyer, because he needed to make a big sale to, you know, have the money. Pee-wee got him the guns and told him to meet up with him to give him to them in Sumter at his little tenant house. Pee-wee had dropped off his wife and kid with her family and took the guns out to the shed that he used to rent at the tenant house. He had cleaned it all out, but still went there from time to time. Because if you'll remember, he had given it up because he was making all these changes. 
And so he didn't actually rent it anymore, but it was all cleaned up and he decided he was going to use it from time to time. Eddie and Bertie showed up to get the guns. Pee Wee said they looked nervous. He knew what he had to do because the feds were involved. He took them into the shed and surprise, the guns he got were actually guns that he planned on using to kill them. Sorry, just the way that you said that was incredibly funny to me, and I'm not sure why. Surprise! (laughs) When they got to the barn, Pee-wee grabbed a gun and opened fire on them. He shot Eddie first. He emptied almost a whole clip on him. Only a couple of them hit Birdie. He decided not to shoot anymore and went and got his toothpick. He cut Eddie open, quote, from dick to neck. Okay. And he turned to Bertie. He drug her to a grave that he had dug the day before, cut her neck, and rolled her into the hole. <clears throat> he drug Eddie to the grave and rolled him in, too. Blood and guts trailed behind him. It took him a while to clean it all up, but he did. Surprise, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> yep. So there's that. Yeah, he told God. He like told Eddie all this shit like I'll front you these guns. Don't you worry about the money. That should oh, have been cue number yeah. two. Who doesn't worry about the money? Right. So perfect. There mm. really were guns. Mm. He said it was necessary to kill them. He refused to go back to prison. They had the feds on them and had a link to him. It was just business. Just business. Just business. Now, lots of people have said that, like somebody will cover in the future. Assassin, that sounds so exotic when you say it like that. I was a murderer, but it was strictly business. Kuklinski? Good job, my girl. I knew you'd get that one. Nice man. Uh, that being said... The Charleston deputy asked Pee-wee if he knew where Eddie and Bertie were, and he said he barely knew him. That was enough for the deputy. 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 I know how I feel when my my nephew, when people call my nephew Amphony Anthony. Makes me almost <laughs> as mad as when I realize that my sister named him Amphony. <laughs> deputy. Deputy. <laughs> deputy. Uh, anyway, the deputy looked at him and was like, perfect. Left him alone. Pee-wee had become quite social. He had met a lot of people in Charleston and always had people over on the weekends. He said his bothersome feelings was now coming on a regular as a woman's rag. That's nice. (sighs) He called his PMS pre-murdering signals. Now, I think I'm going to adopt that. Of all the things that Pee-wee has ever said that has been fucked off, I'm keeping that one. Yep. Howsomever, pre-murdering signals. Howsomever, you should watch yourself because I'm having some pre-murdering signals. (laughs) It's murder. Murdery. (laughs) My pre-murdery signals are flashing. (laughs) I need chocolate. Nope, that's not going to help. Just, you know what? I'm going to go to the coast. (laughs) Give me a coast. Pick one. I don't fucking care. (laughs) In the winter, he had gone to Florida to find women sometimes. Yeah. Uh, He had brought them back to South Carolina to kill them because he was just a Carolina Southern boy at heart. (laughs) He said it like it was like, I guess I'm just a Carolina Southern boy at heart. I've got to kill him in Carolina, not Florida. (laughs) 
Fuck off, Huey. <laughs> <laughs> For real. Fuck off. Gross. Stop. Ew. In 1973, just after their son had turned two, somebody burned their house down and they lost everything. So they moved back to Florence Sumter area. They lived in Prospect and there were three buildings there. They lived in the middle of one in an apartment in the back of a grocery store. He still did his business in Charleston with the car stripping and it worked out well, it worked out for him to continue to coastal kill with all of the traveling. I looked at all that on the map and now I can't remember where it all was but Prospect was like right right there. But they're all just like in the middle of but fuck nowhere. Yeah. They had lived in Prospect for six months before he committed another serious murder. Serious. The final truth. Jackie Freeman, 14. This is the girl who he told the law was Janice when they were looking for her body. She was a runaway and it was October of 73. He was on his way home from a car stripping deal when he saw her. She was from Minnesota. She said she ran away because her stepdad raped her often. Aww. Yeah. His old tenant house was being rented now, so he planned to take her to an abandoned place not too far from the hideout. Do we remember the hideout? The hideout? He made her strip down. He tied her up and put her in the trunk. He went to the store, got drinks and snacks for them. Once they got to the building, he said he was slow and calm with her. She was, quote, mini straighten. But that didn't bother him. He pulled the plug and it excited him because it was more for her to lick clean when he was finished. So, final truth. My final truth. When I read Mini Straighten and pulling the plug, it took me a minute to put it together. I was like, what the fuck is he talking about? She was menstruating and yanked her pussy plug. Yeah, Mini Straighten. Oh my god, why did I say it like that? Could I have been any fouler? I, at this point, there Sorry. is no foul, like, Sorry. you can't get any Sorry worse. about that. He is Mini striting. Mini striting. I'm, no, no. So there's that. And that was, yeah, I was excited because it's more for her to look clean. Uh. <coughs> Let me just puke here for a moment. With her, he decided to do some different things. He cut off her nipple... And he cooked it and ate it. He said he liked how it tasted better when it was cooked. Good. Yeah. He kept her a couple days, but he got sick of her crying and he drove her to the swamp trail, cut her throat, and buried her. He had a hard time remembering where he buried her. He considered her a serious murder because he remembered her name. This was the time that he got that awesome hearse that we talked about before. Right. He fixed it up and tried to sell it because it was a stolen car. So, you know, because he was running the stolen vehicles that he would get, fix up, and try to sell them. Well, um, he couldn't sell it. Nobody wanted it. So the what? person, <laughs> yeah, the person that owned it, because I guess he didn't own it, he was just fixing it up for somebody else, um, ended up selling it to him for like super cheap after he had fixed it up. He had a sign for it that said, we haul anything, living or dead. People teased about him and he would joke back and saying, I kill so many people that I need a hearse to haul them to my private cemetery. And they <laughs> laughed and laughed together and it was a great time. 
Jesus. Yep. People said he was really a killer, and others would laugh and say there's no way he was. They called him crazy little peewee Gaskins, and he loved it. He said he got more ass in the back of that hearse than you could ever imagine. He didn't actually haul bodies in it, though, until December of 1973. I, I have a big bullshit meter on a lot of things, Pee-wee Gaskins. But when he starts talking about all the ass he gets voluntarily, I don't fucking believe that. At all. Just like I don't believe him deadlifting people into the back of a car. Sorry, Pee-wee. I don't fucking believe you. Which this takes us to a final truth. Uh, Doreen Dempsey, 23. Robin Michelle Dempsey, 2. Get your shit together because this one sucks. Okay. Brace your fucking self. You already know the story because we told it. Uh, we're going to tell it a little bit more. But even he said himself that this was the hardest murder for him to tell about. And we're only telling it again because these are in his words and it might give you a little bit more insight. I don't know. All right, fuck. I guess I'll read this. Yeah, you will. God damn it. I like how you're... Uh, yeah, you will. <laughs> Dude, you sounded like Spencer just now. Yeah, you will. Yeah, you will. That's like when I'm like, what do you want for dinner? And he like, oh, I don't know. I'm okay with whatever. And I'm like, well, if you want a roast, I'll make a roast. Yeah, you will. Yeah, you will. Yeah. All right. Pee-wee knew Doreen for a long time. Her stepdad worked in the carnival and lived with their family in Sumter. Doreen was adopted and, for lack of a better word, she was kind of a little shit. A little bit. A little bit. Pee-wee's wife knew their family really well. Sometimes she would go stay with Pee-wee and his wife when she was in trouble. She was staying with them when their son was born and helped take care of him for a few months. That when, adds a little bit more perspective into this story, too. Because, yeah. like, before it was like she was just someone. Yeah. yeah. Like, who the hell is this person? But now we know it's someone yeah. that has been around a lot. Well, when she got pregnant, they sent her to a home where they sent unwedded mothers with babies out of wedlock in 1971. After she had the baby, they visited Pee-wee and his wife in Charleston, and they did often. They hadn't seen or heard from her until, um, since they had moved to Prospect. In December of 73, she showed up with her daughter and new boyfriend that Pee-wee knew from some of the deals he had done. She was seven months pregnant again, and she needed a place to stay. Remember the story of this boyfriend, because he's going to play a part later. Remember this. Like, not even in her murder. Later. Past that. Later, later. Pee-wee said they didn't have enough room for her, and that they should go back to Charleston. About that time, the boyfriend... The boyfriend... Bo- the boyfriend. He's your boyfriend, isn't he? Yoo-hoo, boyfriend. You want to flirt a pinto? <laughs> you want to finish up your... Fuck me. All right. Uh, about that time, the boyfriend finished his beer and took off. He's like, they, all right, I'm, all I'm right. Done. Well, this is fucking awkward. See you later. Bye. They had put the baby to bed, and Pee Wee took Doreen for a walk. He didn't want his wife to hear what he was going to say to her. He told her that he had a trailer near Roper's Crossroads that they could stay in rent free as long as she serviced him regularly regularly 
she was okay with this Mm -hmm. and she didn't know what a pregnant girl could do for him, but said that he could have whatever he wanted. Bullshit. Uh-huh. This is where my bullshit meter goes off again. Yoo-hoo! Liar! <laughs> like, what was... Would the- you like to tell some truth? I get that I wasn't alive in the 70s, and I'm not sure how shit went, but the I fucking know, way dude. he tells stories, I don't believe it. I don't know. I don't know. I, I would like to say that he's full of shit and lies, amongst other things. Um... But I know that it was a different, it was a completely different time. I know that right now in modern day and age, hello, fucking sugardaddies.com, girls are willing to do some outlandish shit just for money and to get by, you know? So I don't fucking know. I don't either, really. But I mean, fuck, if you're going to do it, do it. Don't do it with Pee Wee and stay in a trailer in the swamp. No. Fuck. I guess fucking desperate times. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Well. He told his wife that he was taking them to a bus station so they could go back to Charleston. They got in the hearse and headed off. He pulled off of the main road and parked. He told her that he wanted a blowjob. She was hesitant because Robin was watching, but she agreed, and they got in the back of the hearse. My two-year-old's watching, but, man, whatever. It was part of the deal. What ifs? I said I would, and I'm a lady of my word. God. She got naked. He put on handcuffs. And he told her that this was part of their sexy time. He told the baby to get in the back of the hearse, too, and began fucking Doreen. Now... No, she... Sucking. Oh, sucking. She began sucking him. Sucking Pee-wee off. Now, alarm, 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 warning, warning, warning. All the warnings. uh, Listen, if ever there was a time that I was going to fucking give you an extra fucking, like... Fuck this, shit, I'm out. Mm-hmm. this needs to be it because this is a skip forward 15 seconds type situation he started taking off robin's clothes doreen stopped and asked him what he was doing and he hit her in the head with a ball peen hammer the baby started crying and he told her it was okay that mommy was just sleeping oh god now i have to tell this part he quote tasted the baby and then made her suck him yep he said okay in the book he's talking about how he at first she didn't know what to do but he talked her through it he he told her how to do it the baby then he raped her which i'm not going to describe i read it once i don't want to type it i don't want to read it i don't want to hear it again i don't want any other part of anything to do with what he did to the baby I'll aid front and back. Let's just say that much and leave it there. He said he couldn't stop. His urges took over. He choked her to death when he was finished. Dorian was still breathing, but she was passed out. He dragged her by her feet out of the hearse. He dug her a grave, cut her throat, and put her in it. He buried the baby under a tree stump. He told everyone that he had taken them to the bus stop. He didn't get questioned by the law about them at all. He later told this story to the lawyers and the judge because he was trying to get out of the electric chair. He told them it was because they were mixed race, and um, this is what he calls the final truth. Because he didn't tell them that he had raped the baby. He didn't tell them any of that. He just said he had to kill him. He had to get rid of him because mixed race. 
And that was that. <clears throat> right. Because he would rather have the reputation at CCI of being racially motivated and not a baby raper. Gee, I wonder why. Hmm. Because even back in 1973, the molesting and raping of children... Was not okay. It's not fucking okay. Of all the shit you might do, fuck, it wasn't okay then, it ain't okay now. You're going to get fucked up, dude. Mm -hmm. In 1974, they moved back to North Charleston. His bloodlust was getting out of control. He got to the point where he wanted it to start because he he loved doing it. He loved, you know... Feeding, catering to his bloodlust. His coastal kills had always been women until now. Anyway, it was March and it was cold, so he went to Florida to see what he could find. He saw these two guys hitchhiking, but he thought they were girls. They had long blonde hair and he didn't realize they were dudes until he had picked them up. They were 14-year-old runaways. They actually met each other on the road in their little runaway adventures. They said they were going to Florida, but didn't know how they were going to live when they got there, but they were determined to never go home. Uh, Pee-wee explained to him about how Florida didn't like runaways and blah, 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 all kinds of shit. As they were driving, he pulled off on a side road. He told the kids that he had the shits and that he needed to take one, like, right now. Uh, Once he stopped, (laughs) he pulled the pistol and made them get out. He taped their mouths and put them in the trunk. He headed back north because, you know, he's a Carolina boy at heart. Because, you know, I'm just sweet southern boy from South Carolina. A southern boy at heart. Oh, God. Well, he took them somewhere near Charleston. He raped them both over and over until he couldn't anymore. Ugh. Um... He was talking about how he didn't know that he had such a thought about young boys, but he just couldn't get enough. (sighs) These are the words that he used that we're talking about that were so fucking violating. Raped him over and over till I just couldn't get it up no more. Mm-mm. Fuck. He got the grand idea at this time to cut out the boys' nuts and eat them. He cut out their scrotum while they were still alive. Yay, you. He said they bled a lot, so he melted some plum bum and put it on their nuts to stop the bleeding. And they passed out from the pain. Gee, I don't know why that's liquid lead that you just put on a scrotum where you had gutted it and essentially neutered them. How could that hurt? Why would you even... Why would you pass out from that? That's simple. They woke up after he was finished. He tied their elbows together and sunk them into the swamp. He said it was weird how their bubbles were different from the girls. He said that they put up a lot more of a fight. Yeah, he said the girls, they they gave in a lot faster. Their bubbles stopped faster, but the boys didn't. Final truth. Jesse Ruth... Oh, Jesse Ruth Judy, 22... And Johnny Sellers, 36. Jesse and Johnny were people that hung around Pee-wee's a lot. Pee-wee, the one that was hooking them up. <clears throat> the one that hooked them up. Oh, yeah. Like, you two Jesse, Johnny, look. Johnny, Jesse. Y'all should shank. Shank. Oh. Shag. 
Uh, Either way. Fun fact, Johnny was the one that brought Doreen to his house in Prospect when she was seven months pregnant with his kid, finished his beer, out. More bounce to the ounce. (laughs) Johnny was dishonest. You don't say. What? But he was good at hot wiring cars, but he broke their little stealing ring rules. He was always stealing money and was dishonest about it, and Pee Wee didn't like him. Money was actually the reason for his death. He owed Pee Wee $1,000. Pee Wee had made a plan to steal one of his co-works boats with Johnny. They did just that, and they took the boat to a man named Belton... Uh, 80? I'm going to say 80. Yeah. Belton 80. When they took the boat there, Belton said that the law had been watching him and he didn't want to deal with stolen things anymore. However, Pee Wee talked him into it and Belton had given him all of the money to, had given all the money to him and told him he would settle up Johnny later. This is how he recovered the thousand dollars that Johnny owed him. Hmm. He told this story wrong. I kind of found a little bit of a blip. A hiccup? Because he said at that point that he took the money um, and told him that he would settle up with Johnny later. And then later it says that he he asked that he wanted to see Johnny to give him the money or to give him the rest of his portion or some shit like that. So I found a little bit of a fucking lie. Why you gotta lie, Pee Wee? Why you always lying? You ain't got to lie, Pee Wee. When they were finished unloading the boat, Pee-wee told Belton that he wanted Jesse to stay there for a few minutes while he talked to Johnny about a deal, and he said that was fine. He told Johnny they were going to case someone to see if they could rob them. He took them out to, he took him out to the woods, and he stopped the car, pulled a gun on him. He made Johnny give him the 38 that he carried because he knew that Johnny always carried a 38. Johnny tried to make deals with the money and Pee-wee said that wouldn't work for him because he would probably try to get even with him later. Johnny took off running and Pee-wee shot him in the back of the head and left him there. He went back for Jesse. When he got there, she already knew what Pee-wee had done but didn't say anything. He took her to the same spot and pulled the toothpick on her. He made her start walking and stabbed her in the back. He said she died really fast. Good. Good. Okay, dude. He, yeah. He dug a grave and put them both in it. When they were found, Jesse's legal husband, James Judy, was charged for their murders. Um, as, along with Pee-wee. Even though he had nothing to do with it. He was sentenced to 10 years in prison. Belton was also charged with an accessory to murder. Um, yeah, they said James Judy did it because he was jealous. Because of jealousy, he killed him. Apparently, shortly after the murder, Jesse's mom was telling everybody that he did it because Jesse and Johnny were afraid of Pee-wee. He was pissed and got the word out in Charleston that he wasn't happy about it and that nobody better go to the law about it. He said, quote, I let it be known that I especially didn't like this bitch shit on my face. <laughs> the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Final truth. <clears throat> Sorry, I don't like that bitch shit on my 
I let it be known what? that I didn't like this bitch shit on my face. Well, nobody does. If somebody likes bitch shit on their face, maybe they should let it be known because it's basically an overall feeling that we don't like bitch shit on our faces. <laughs> Fuck, Fuck. Kiwi. Oh, <laughs> I know it's you're funny, all. Though. I know y'all fucked up and backwards, but goddamn. Anyway, final truth. Horace Jones. He said, quote, Horace was a horse's ass. He was another dude in the car stripping business. He always wore a suit and talked really proper. Um, He liked to con old women, and he had done some time for it, too. While he was staying with Pee Wee once, because when somebody's a horse's ass, let's offer them to stay with us. Because why don't you do that? But I guess he tried to fuck his wife. Like you do. You tried to fuck Pee Wee's wife. Like you do. All right. Well, when Pee Wee heard, he was pissed. Not because he tried to fuck his wife, but because he didn't ask. We have rules. My God, Pee-wee, the correct and proper way to do it is to ask. You fucking heathen. Your mom ain't learned you. How ever, your mom ain't learned you up not one iota. This is why Horace is a horse's ass because he didn't ask to fuck Pee-wee's wife. He just tried to do it. Jesus. God. Now, if he would have asked, he would have shared. He decided he had to die. A friend from CCI had hooked them up to do their car stripping together, and Pee-wee didn't want to fuck that up, like, that whole relationship. So, he decided murdering was better. Yeah. He felt, he faked helping him do a con. Well, there wasn't a con, so there was already a grave dug that he drove him to. He told Horace to lie in it. He said no, because that would ruin his suit. Pee-wee shot him with the Beretta and he fell into the grave. He walked over, Pee-wee walked over, blew a hole in Horace's head. He took all the cash that was on him and buried him. When he got home, he told his wife that Horace had gone to New York City, but she didn't care. She was just glad he was gone. I don't care what happened to him. I don't give a fuck. He's gone. By the end of 1974, Pee-wee and his wife were splitting up. Like you do. They had already given up on their son and uh, given him to Shirley to raise. So They were like, oh, is- this parenting is exhausting. <laughs> here, Shirley, take my kids. So the older sister, much older sister, then takes the little half-brother to raise as her own. He said that he was ready to give his wife away anyway, so it was fine. Did I give her away? I'm got Jesus, some somebody, anybody. I've got a wife. If got they a wife. had, if he had Facebook back then, he would have put her on like, like the the fucking yard sale page. Yeah, free to marketplace. Tra- the fucking Charleston marketplace. Free to good home comes with training pads. <laughs> wife done done been fucked well. Gently, gently love fuck. (laughs) Jesus. All All I ever did to her was love fuck her, so she's still good for the next one. Stop it. She's kind of old. She's like 20-something. She like 24. (laughs) Love fuck. Ugh. All right, well, he put her in a trailer next to Shirley's 
where he spent half of his time and the other time he was in Charleston. In 1975 was his killinest year. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, it was also his worst year. That's no shit. He said most of them were the same as all the others. Young and monthly. Sorry, I had to try to think of what I meant by young and monthly, but they were all young and they happened monthly. And it was monthly. Boys and girls, he says there is only one to tell about. Just one. Just one. Just one murder in his killinest and worst year. This is actually a triple murder of the kids in the van. Two girls and one boy. He stopped to help them when he spotted them broke down. He took It took him 15 minutes to fix it, but he told them they were going to need a new water pump, and that's how he convinced them to go with him, to go get that new water pump. Yeah, remember how before we were like, how the fuck did he Yeah, like, them? what, wait, what did he do to get all these... Yeah, like, how the hell is he yeah. going to handcuff and get everybody in... But this makes more so, sense. He was like, well... Well, you know... Because one of them didn't want to go. No, why would you? Like, you, y'all can go. Like, you two go, I'll stay with the car. Yeah, well, that's why. And he was like, no, it's okay. We'll just lock it. You can come with me. See, and that's why I'm like, no, it's cool, dude. I got AAA. You can fuck off that way. Well, and the van was fixed is the thing. Oh, I know. It was completely fixed. They could have driven, but he was like, nah, it's going to need a water pump. So it's going to break down some more. And what y'all need to do is get in with me and I'll take you to go with that there water pump. That's the safest option because there's fucking crazy people out Everywhere there. Everywhere out here, they killing and raping everybody. <laughs> he was so excited over this. Since he had taken those two boys on accident, it kind of sparked this new excitement with him for boys. Oh, good. And he was happy that this time he had both. Oh, good. He got both. They drove for a minute when he pulled off into the woods, drew his beret at them, and then handcuffed him. The boys started to run, so he hit him in the head with the gun to stun him. He taped their mouths shut stripped them, and started enjoying them. Those were his words, and I don't fucking want to know Just so what it means. Just so y'all know, we didn't say that. He did. Yeah, I don't want to know what enjoying them meant. You already know, though. But luckily, he didn't go into details. Thank Ugh. the good lord up above. He just said that he made them do things to each other, like torture things, and he enjoyed their reactions. He tried to make sure that they suffered equally. Perfect. Because he's kind like that. And then he sunk them all. All them. Yeah. The reason that he said that this was the only one to talk about was because of the issue he had with the van. He he had to get rid of it and he needed help to do so. Excuse me. He He went and got Walter Neely. Walter was someone he met in the pen. He wasn't a smart man, but he was loyal. We talked about him episode two-ish, I think. He was, I think, if I remember correctly, he was actually, like, mentally retarded, like, clinically... Deficient? Yeah, he was under... He had a low IQ. Perfect. Yeah. A very low IQ. Um, Walter had lived in Charleston with him, or with his wife, Diane. Dun, dun, dun. Remember the name Diane from part two? 
Well, that is until they broke up and then he stayed with Pee Wee off and on. He was heartbroken about his wife leaving him. Um, she was with another dude named Avery Howard. <coughs> and fun thing, their little circle, is that they were also at CCI with, How- with Avery Howard. So they all knew each other. All these little pen buddies running around together. He was basically Pee-wee's best friend and someone he obviously trusted to help him. He didn't tell Walter about the murders, just that he found a van with keys in it and he was going to take it. They took it, repainted it, redid it completely, and then sold it. Pee-wee gave a third of the money to Walter this time. And Walter was fucking ecstatic because he usually only got 20%. Sure. After they stole the van, they went to a bar called Sam's Club. Sam's. This is where some life changed. Final truth. Silas Barnwell Yates. One night at Sam's Club, a man named John William Powell came up to him and asked him to meet him in the parking lot. He had guns on him. Pee Wee had his guns on him, so he wasn't afraid. He told Pee Wee about a rich landowner named Silas Yates that had a side piece named Suzanne Kipper. That he had put up in a mobile home and gave her a car and all of kind, <laughs> all kinds of fancy shit. Apparently something with, went bad with and Silas started taking all of the stuff away from her that he gave her. She decided she wanted to hire someone to kill him and that is what John was coming to Pee Wee to set up. She was willing to pay a thousand dollars. Pee Wee checked things out. He spotted, he picked the spot for the murder and called John and his friends back and told them where to meet and that they needed to bring flashlights, picks, and shovels. He also wanted them to bring Suzanne so she could see the job get done. That's nice. That is not, that is not, that was not what the fuck was going to happen. That's so sweet. Oh God, you're so sweet. All right. Well, that being said, They said they didn't think she would come, and he said he didn't really care. But he wanted another $500. Duh. Of course. This is where Diane Neely came into play. Pee-wee asked her to drive one of his cars to Silas, Silas's house and lure him out. The night of February 12th, she knocked on his door late at night and said she was having car trouble and asked him to come help her. When he walked to the car, Pee-wee came out of nowhere and grabbed him, shoving the Beretta in his face. He explained what Diane was wearing. I'm he- sure it was something quite... Alluring. He's like, she was 29 years old and looked real good, even though she'd had some kids. Oh. And he's talking about the button-up shirt that she wore, and you could see her hard nipples through that button-up shirt. Oh, that's Fuck off, Pee-wee. Anyway, (sighs) you you may continue. I just had to add that in. Thanks. Well, Pee-wee took him to another car, and Diane left because her part was done. Right? Mm-hmm. He duct taped Silas and put him in the trunk and went to meet the other guys. When he left Silas in the trunk until John gave him the money, and then he told the other two to take him out where they were going to take him on where they planned to kill him. Pee Wee took the tape off his mouth and he was screaming all loud and willy nilly and wouldn't stop. So Pee Wee throat punched the shit out of him and smashed his windpipe and stabbed him in the chest and then cut his throat. Okay. Because that'll shut you up. The other men turned to leave, and Pee-wee told them his price 
was only to kill, they had to bury him. The next day, he took Diane $300 and told her to forget anything she saw from the night before. Okay. All right. $300. That's the price. $300. Is it? That's all you get. That's the forget price. That's that's the fucking Alzheimer's that you get temporarily. $250 won't do it. It's $300. $300 only. Over the next few days, he started overthinking shit like you do. Mm-hmm. And he decided that he needed to talk talk to Suzanne in person. He went to find her and found out that she had married John Owens, the other guy that was with John Powell during the murder. He found out where she worked and he went there and waited for her. When he saw her, he knew he had to have her. So we looked at a picture of her a minute ago, and she is a fine woman. He walked up to her and told her his name. He said that she went ghost-ass white. He said he needed to talk to her, and they got in his they got in her car. He told her how he killed Silas, and that if he needed to, he would kill her too. From then on, she belonged to Pee Wee. She said her marriage to John Owens was only of convenience. And he said he didn't care. He just wanted to taste her whenever he wanted. <coughs> Stop with the taste. Can you not? Could you fuck off, maybe? Well, fuck off. He love fucked her. Oh, God. Here we go with the love fucking. They were together a lot whenever he wanted. Gross. He said she was always trying to make him happy in every way. Gross. He knew that she was scared of him and he was okay with it. He liked it. I'm sure he did. Final truth. Final truth. Avery Howard, 35. Diane Neely, 29. Diane contacted Pee Wee one day telling him that she knew that he had killed Silas. She said her boyfriend Avery knew that Silas was rich and that he probably stole a bunch of money from him and that $300 wasn't enough. She wanted $5,000 to forget. The forget price just went up. Well, it happens like that every now and again. The forget price It goes up. Pee-wee was pissed, but he stayed calm. He agreed uh, that she deserved more money and told her and Avery to meet him so that they could settle up. The next afternoon, he drove close to where he told them to meet him and dug a grave big enough for both of them. He met her later that night. He got in the car with them and passed around a little bottle of bourbon because he knew that's what they liked to drink. He pretended to drink, but he really wasn't. No, he can't because he's a goddamn lightweight. He's a lightweight and he doesn't like that whiskey. Um, he told them that he was taking them to where he hides his money. He says he doesn't trust banks, so he just kept it buried. When they got there, he walked over to where he said the money was buried, and he shot Avery twice in the head, and Avery fell directly into the grave, because that's how it happens. Diane started to run, so he grabbed her, shot her in the head, and dropped her in the hole, too. At some point after this, Pee-wee got married yet again because love always finds a way. Always. Always. He said it was wife number six, and I'm kind of losing track at this point. I'm not sure if he talked about all of them. I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know. She was 18, and 
He was still banging Suzanne on the side, though. Duh. Final truth. <laughs> Kim Gelkins, 13. Kim was the little neighbor girl that Pee Wee um, and his new wife would take to the beach with a bunch of other people. She liked Pee Wee and his new wife and would sometimes go over just to hang out. Because, you know, like you do. That's not creepy. When well, your neighbor guy is almost in his 30s. But she's 18. They're only five years different. So. Yeah, well, but yeah, but still, you know fuck. what? If my daughter was hanging out with a 13-year-old, I was gonna, I'm going to look at her and be like, the fuck, yo? That's weird. You're that weird. That is weird. Well, she would come over and watch TV with Pee Wee in his room because there was a nice air conditioner in there. He said that eventually they would cuddle. That moved to him feeling her up and getting her naked. He even tasted her. Bullshit. This was their little secret, and she had promised not to tell. This is where my bullshit meter is getting clear up in the red again. One day, he had asked her to touch his hard dick, and she passed. Hard pass. No thanks. So you can lick my pussy, but I'm not going to touch your dick? I don't Mm, don't That's pretty fucking intimate. Like, one would think that she would hit, like, a third base before he jumped in face first into her nethers. I don't know. Who, who knew? Yeah. All right. Well, that being said, she didn't come back for a while because this pissed him off, but he stayed calm. He said he was sorry, and off she goes. Okay? She didn't come back for a while, but when she did, she made sure that there were others there. This was so frustrating to Pee Wee because now she's the forbidden fruit. She's just walking around there knowing how hard she makes him, and he can't have her. Eventually, he invited her to his daughter's house for the weekend with him. He said he would keep his zipper zipped and that there would be plenty of people. She never really answered, but when it came time to leave, she was packed and ready to go. He still had his mobile home, his mobile home, next to his daughter's. (laughs) He knew that they were away for the day. Well, he took a shower, and when he got out, still naked, he grabbed her and cuffed her. Well, she cried and said, You promised, Pee-wee! He took off her clothes and raped her, front and back. He said it was more of a love fuck than a coastal keeling. I feel like somebody needs to explain what a love fuck is to Pee-wee. I think, yeah, I believe you may have um, some... Misinterpretation. <laughs> yeah, there's some. Your view is askew, Pee Wee. I feel like if uh, it's a love fucking and you're handcuffed, it's because you wanna be. Uh, you don't take thirteen year olds and rape them front and back and call it love. Sorry, not sorry. That's fucked up. Just because you did it slow doesn't mean it's oh, love God. fucking. After he came, he went and got a drop cloth and put her on it. He burned and cut her right there and said he even carved her up. He loved the sounds of her scream. He put the toothpick inside of her and twisted. Remember, the toothpick, the Arkansas toothpick, because, you know, you can use a blade that big when you got four teeth, but, yeah. Yeah, I fucking said it. As we're both smiling with our missing teeth. Right? I got a lot of shit to talk when I ain't got no front tooth. 
Um, I do. I have a front tooth. It's that, like a fourth of a tooth, but fuck you. Whatever. I'm better than you. you. <laughs> the Arkansas toothpick in my mind is like one of those creepy little squirrely, like squiggly. It's like a squiggly line to me. Mm-hmm. An 11 inch like squiggler. Because that just makes it scarier to me if it's squiggly. Okay. Squiggler. Yep. Squiggler. 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 Like a snake. A snake little snake. Like a snake little floral snake. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Sorry about that. Sorry. Sorry. When he quit, she was unconscious. Okay. He took a nap for a while. And when he woke up, she was crying. So he went back to work on her again. He said she was real sweet to live so long. Ugh. Oh. He kissed her and told her thank you for the greatest joy he had ever had. And he choked her to death as soon as he cummed again. Also, another word that is making me celibate. Come. I don't like it. He always says come and he spells it C-O-M-E-D. Cummed. Okay. I'm, I don't I don't like it. I don't want to talk about that word. I don't. I don't, wanna, I don't like it. Stop. No. No. No more. Thank you. He buried her out by the old tenant house by Janice. Her, like, there was another family living there at the time, but he still did it anyway. Her family was devastated about her disappearance. He was questioned, but said he hadn't seen her. He told his wife that he was going to Florida. He didn't get questioned much at the beginning. What he didn't know was that her school teacher was pushing the police to do more to find her, and her dad was playing detective. He said that if he had known what was going to happen, that he would have gone to Canada Canada (laughs) as fast as he could. Because everybody knew that he went, that she went with him. Like they were all saying that he was at, that they had a trip planned and that she went to his house and blah, blah, whatever. Final truth. Final truth. Dennis Bellamy, 28 Mm -hmm. and Johnny Knight, 15. He had been laying low for a while and then went back to Charleston where he rented a garage to work on stolen cars. One day, he went to his garage and the car he was working on, plus all of his tools and parts, were gone. He thought this was Dennis Bellamy. Dennis was Diane Neely's brother. Remember Diane Neely that he's just killed? Remember her? Remember? He met Dennis and his half-brother through Diane. They were both in the car stripping business also, so Pee-wee would hire them from time to time to help out. They had keys to his garage, and that's why he thinks that it was one of them that took everything. He called Walter to ask him if he knew where Dennis and Johnny were. He said that he saw them in the stolen truck that was in the garage. Pee-wee told Walter to find them and asked them if they had all of Pee-wee's stuff and told them that he wasn't mad. He just wanted his stuff back. Mm. While Walter was doing that, um, Pee-wee went to find out if the law was still looking for him about Kim. And they were, but not as much as they had been. Well... When Walter found the men, they told him that they cleaned out the garage because the law had been looking for him, and they wanted to clear any evidence of anything illegal. Neither one of them believed that story. Pee-wee told Walter to have them take all of his stuff to the trailer that was by his daughter's house in Sumter. He also told 
told him to tell them that he was sure he owed them for taking all of his stuff, and he planned on paying up. Thanks for taking care of my stuff. I'll pay you. What do I owe you? Let me let you know. I'm a man of my word. (laughs) The next day, they brought everything back. He was going to give them a ride back after they returned all of his shit. He checked to see if all of his stuff was there, and it was. He gave Dennis $1,000, and he gave Johnny $500. He told them that he was going to stay around Sumter because he was hiding out from the Kim Gelkis disappearance. But he said he was planning on stripping cars and wanted their help. Pee-wee wanted to show Dennis a barn that he planned on fixing up so that they had a place to strip cars. They left Johnny at the trailer with Walter. He drove Dennis to the end of a trail and they got out. Dennis said that he didn't see a barn and Pee-wee shot him in the head with the Beretta. He went back to the trailer to get Johnny and told told him that Dennis was full of ideas about the barn and wanted to talk to Johnny about it. So they headed to where he killed Dennis. When Johnny got out, Pee-wee pointed his flashlight at a tree and asked if he thought it was strong enough to hoist an engine, and Johnny looked up. Pee-wee pointed the gun at the back of the head and shot him too. Pee-wee went back to the house and got Walter. This is just motherfuck one at a time. Uh Uh-huh. He got Walter. He said that Walter kept nodding and he wasn't sure if it was a nod of approval or if he was wondering what was next. He decided he could trust Walter because he had told him so much already and he hadn't told anybody. Uh They dug the graves together and then Pee Wee started to show him where he buried everybody and I don't know why. Maybe... Maybe he actually, like, you know when he said that he started to confess shit to his daughter? Yeah. It was, like, it's almost like all of his shit caught up with him and he had to tell. Like, he was, it was almost like a confession, but not. I've been keeping this in for so long. <clears throat> like, I had to tell somebody. Mm-hmm. I gotta get it off my chest. Mm-hmm. Well, including his ex-wife, the man she left him for, like... After all of the confessions, Pee-wee took his money back from the bodies, and then they put him in the grave. Walter told Pee-wee that he liked Johnny's new shoes and asked if it was okay if he kept them. Pee-wee said yes. He's now broken two of his rules. His rules were no accomplices and no trophies, and he's got them both now. (laughs) We don't (laughs) tell nobody, you don't keep trophies, and you don't have partners. Nope. Jesus. Mary. A few months later, an illegal search was done of his mobile home. Mobile home. They found clothes in his closet that belonged to Kim. He said he didn't know where they, he didn't know that they were there. And he, I really don't think he knew that they were there. <clears throat> but he said he wasn't worried because that proved that all, that all that proved was that she was there. They found Walter and took him in for questioning. He didn't tell them anything. After that, he wanted to find Pee-wee, but couldn't. Instead, he went to his preacher. Meanwhile, the law was trying hard to find Pee-wee. They had enough to charge him for contributing to the delinquency of a minor, and I believe that this is because um, he helped her run away. Because I remember last time we were trying to decide why the fuck, and I think that he's getting charged with that because he was helping her run away. That's Mm -hmm. all I can come up with. This is when, quote, 
The biggest, worst-smelling bad luck turd in my life landed splat on top of me on November 15th of 1975. The way he words things, I'm telling you. He tried to go to his trailer, but the law was there. He parked like a little mm. bit away to where he could see it, and but he saw the <laughs> law there. I can seize it. I, I don't want to go there, I but don't I seize want, it. I see it, and I don't want to be there. His mind started racing. He called Walter, who acted weird, and he figured that the line was tapped. Walter told him that there was a warrant out for his arrest. He immediately went and sunk his special handcuffs that he was Spatial. so careful to take off all of his victims because he wanted to keep those nice Spatial. things. And the chains that he had left in his trunk. He thought about his Beretta, his 30-30, and the toothpick. He didn't want to part with the toothpick. He said it had gotten as much pleasure as his dick, but it killed people, so it got a little bit more. Okay. And he said no matter how hard he tried, he couldn't kill nobody with his dick. Okay. Mm-hmm. He ended up taking the toothpick to the post office, right. wrapped it in a shirt, put it in a padded envelope, and mailed it. It didn't say where he mailed it to, but I would I would assume somewhere where he can get it on the other side. He got a bus ticket to Savannah and called a cab to pick him up at the post office to take him to the bus station. The cab ended up getting pulled over by a ton of police, and he was dragged out and arrested for contributed to the delinquency of a minor and taken to jail. He tried to tell them a bunch of bullshit stories, but they didn't seem to believe him. Like Apparently, you do. he was tipped off by some businessman that was close by that saw him get in the cab. They questioned him about the stolen cars that were found there at his house, and he told some bullshit stories that they weren't buying either. He knew that he didn't have enough evidence for anything, though. He had been in jail for about, what? Three weeks. Three weeks. The public defender said that they were holding him illegally. He thought he was getting ready to get out when Walter Neely finally broke. Okay. It was like a dam. Open the floodgates. The levees are gone. He came in like a wrecking ball. (laughs) Ooh. That was funny. Well, just so y'all know, Walter was having trouble sleeping after all of the confessions from Pee Wee. Like you do. And that is when he went to his preacher. The preacher got him all straight with God. And then he told him that he had to get straight with the law, too. Well, he told them about Dennis and Johnny and the whole graveyard. On December 4th, 1975, they finally found the graves and dug up Dennis and Johnny. Walter was charged with their murder, too. The next day, they found Johnny Sellers, Jesse Ruth Judy, Diane Neely, Avery Howard. Well, apparently had to be, Walter had to be sedated when they pulled out the remains of Diane. He recognized her clothes. Pee-wee said he should have buried her naked. Because in all of his confessions, he didn't confess to killing Diane. Well, no, why would ya? No. Well, some five days... Howsomever. Howsomever, some five days later. later. (laughs) Walter led them to Doreen and Robin Michelle. After this, he said, Sometimes I think I must have growed myself a four-foot dick to be able to bend it around and fuck myself like I done when I trusted... Walter Neely. (laughs) Why does he talk like that? 
I must have grown a four. I must have grown myself a four foot dick to be able to bend over and fuck myself like I did when I done trusted Walter Neely. <laughs> Walter and Pee Wee were charged with eight counts of murder, and James Judy was charged with one. The law was going hard and heavy after him. They told his daughter that they would charge her with murder if she didn't testify against him. Mm-hmm. The trial started May 24th, 1976. Even though he tried to say it was Walter what had done it all. Five days later, he was found guilty and sentenced to the electric chair. Mm. <laughs> Whoa, it's not the vibrator you were hoping for. <laughs> nope. Listen, Shane, you're going to get shocked all the shit, Shane. I'm sure he still got off when he got electrocuted. Fuck. What a horrible thought. Well, well, that being said, Mr. Walter Neely was given one life sentence. His lawyer said he was retarded and under the power and control of Pee Wee Gaskins. That's what his lawyer said. I mean, that's rough, but Fuck. I mean, if it's going to keep you out of prison. He was back in CCI and he was planning. He wanted to confess to another murderer to try and get rid of his death penalty. I'm not sure how that works. Because he was trying to say, all right, I'll tell you about more murders. Because they had so many unsolved mysteries. Mysteries. Unsolved murders. So he was like, all right, I'll help you solve another one. But you got to get rid of the death penalty. Hey, I'm going to tell you about some more bad shit I've done, but you can't kill me for it, and you got to stop killing me for these but ones. I don't get why he was trying to tip them. I don't know. Well, he tipped off some officers about septic tank Patty. How does that help him out, though, if it's just the tip? Just the tip. <laughs> just to see how it feels. You need the whole thing, and it needs to I come from you. I don't know. Well, this plan ended up backfiring because it took them forever to find her. And while they were looking for her, the death penalty became illegal. Like, unconstitutional. Oh, what are we, fucking California? All of these murder charges made him famous. He had people shaking his hand in the yard at at the jail. And the warden even gave him respect. Well, I guess he was in prison again by now. After Patty's body was identified, they questioned him about it, and he played stupid yet again. They told him that after they found Patty's body, they found Kim Gelkins and Barnwell Yates. They took him to where they found the bodies and tried to get him to talk. He he got an outing. He's like, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Two days later, they found Martha Clyde Dix. Because remember, she wanted to be called Clyde. Right. And he, at the end of the book, he kept calling her Clyde. I was getting confused for a I moment. guess that's nice of him. Very. I suppose. Just respecting her wishes. Right. He was sure that Walter was still talking. Everyone they dug up was one that he had told Walter about. He never told him about coastal kills or his serious murders. Owens and John Powell, John Owens and John Powell, the two that helped with the Yates murder, um, were questioned about it, and they threw Suzanne and Pee-wee under the bus. All four of them ended up getting charged with his murder. Suzanne did, like, a life sentence for it. After all this, he said he still had control at CCI. He said he had, quote, shit on my dick and blood on my shank. Oh, God, that, uh, uh, 
He said that was a saying that we had. No, it was a saying what you had. No, you really? Fuck. Like, blood on my knife or shit on my dick? That's actually a pretty common prison thing. Is it? I don't yeah. like it. Shit on my dick and blood on my shank. That means that he's in charge still. Fucking gross. Gross. He Labors. had two life sentences. In 1977, the death sentence was now back in action. His lawyers told him to confess to the seven murders that he was already being charged with and to give details to get the death penalty removed again. They took him to the hospital and injected him with the sodium amytal truth serum. Amytal? How do you amytal, say it? Sodium amytal. pentanol? I thought it was he, like... Well, this is what he typed. This is his quote. Sodium amytal truth serum. Mary. Before he confessed. Okay. He was interrogated for three days. He told some truth and some lies. They believed pretty much everything except for Peggy Catino. He had nine life sentences at this point, but after two, it doesn't really matter. They had him on for, for, 14. They had him on 14 murders total by now. So nine life sentences, 14 murders. Final truth. Swear to God. Rudolph Tyner. <laughs> if you'll remember from part two, Tyner was the one that got blowed up in jail. This happened in 1982, so he'd been there for about six years. We told this story, and it was accurate. I didn't find anything anything different. Um, but we did wonder why he recorded the conversations with uh, Tony Simo or whatever his damn name was. Mm-hmm. It's because he wanted them to go down with him if he got caught. Or, Mary. he thought he could use them as blackmail on Simo if he ever escaped. He said after he got his money from Simo, he would send the tapes to the prosecutors so that they can get the rest of them in trouble and he could get credit for it again, boosting his fame back up that he was so upset that he had lost over the last few years. Like, he was actually really fucking worried about how important and famous he was going to be. Well. He wanted all this fame, and he was upset that it went away so fast while he was in prison. This murder got him back to the electric chair. Well, on top of that, CCI was pissed about the bad publicity. Like you do. Mm -hmm. The public found out about all of the corruption that was going on inside. He was put in isolation. For four years. <laughs> he was medicated heavier than he'd ever been before. In 1986, the building that he was being kept in was condemned and closed down because it was unsafe and unfit for human occupancy. He said that it was so cold down there that the toilet would have icicles on it. Somehow I doubt that because you'd have died way before. Right. If it's cold enough to have icicles on your toilet, which may have been, like, accurate once or twice, but if it was like that all the time, you'd have died. Probably. Your your internal body temperature can't maintain what it needs to be. And he said they had no blanket and no pillow, so... Yeah, he's full of shit. That's a lie. Bullshit. Wait. You're fucking lying again. He was moved to death row until 1990. He was then moved to the to the Edisto building at the new Broad River Correctional Institute. He sold art. What? He sold art. Okay. And it wasn't actual shit that he had drawn. No, he was a fucking tracer. He traced it and colored it in and sold it as a Pee Wee Gaskins original. Well, you do what you gotta do when you're Pee Wee. 
1991, he said his mom was sick but still hanging on, and he said that his stepdaddy died a few years ago, and if there's a hell, he'll see him there. Mm-hmm. His final body count, as far as he can remember, was 31 serious murders and at least 80 or 90 of the coastal kind. Um, and if y'all remember, he tried to commit suicide before his execution. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to read the epilogue that's at the end of the book. Mm-hmm. Says the state of South Carolina executed Donald Peewee Gaskins in the electric chair at 1.04 a.m. on Friday, September 6, 1991. He entered the execution chamber unassisted and sat down without hesitation. Just before the hood was placed over his head, he smiled at the attorney, who was his designated witness, gave her a thumbs up sign and said, I'm ready to go. His execution was carried out by carried out almost exactly as he described it in the introduction of the book. His body was cremated. The whereabouts of his ashes is unknown. Hmm. Yeah. In the well part. notes. But didn't like in the author that helped him put this all together, like, he said that this was just a ploy for Pee Wee to try and gain some sort of fame. Mm-hmm. I mean, it worked. Yeah, because in the back there's a bunch of notes that the author wrote about his thoughts on the whole thing. Right. And he said he thinks a lot of it was just for fame. Oh, I'm sure. But it worked. Like, it legitimately, everything that Pee Wee was hoping... To get out of the final truth, well, he got it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Here's your fame. You can shove it up your fucking ass along with I, that goddamn toothpick. I, <laughs> with your Arkansas toothpick. I, <laughs> oh, my God. Ugh. Yep. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that there wraps it up. Praise the Lord. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Go take a shower. Go Wash brush your, your ears. teeth. <laughs> yeah. Use something. your toothbrush in your ear. Yes. Get this out your mind, off your body. Oh my God. I can't wait to mail the fucking book back. Yeah, dude. It's it's time to move on to other things that are still heinous, but less gross without the descriptions like my god i've read shit i it's one thing like murder itself is pretty hardcore then you get into like murdering children that's dude you you just upped it a a notch or three but then when you start sodomizing and raping babies two-year-olds yeah that's like yo and like fred and rose west was rough it was a rough read and a rough write and this was probably about the same caliber of nasty, but the words he used to describe what he did yeah, bumped it up a lot of levels. See, and that's what makes me think that a lot of this might be accurate and truthful. Like, that he had these pictures in his brain enough to, like, describe them enough. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I I'm going to go... My thought... Is that he's about three quarters true. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you that. I mean, whatever. Regardless. Even if some of it's just telling fairy tales. Telling fucking whoppers. He did a pretty good job. Ugh. I mean, 
some of the shit, like, when he, when he goes into detail about, like, the way he did things to people, or, like, how he decided to kill people when he was like, well, I ran a... I, I ran a length of cable in and out of her body. And how? Like, Tell me how, Pee-wee. But that's the thing. Like, what? I have I have an idea of how that was actually done. Remember that old swing that was up above the... It was back behind Steinecker, and you had to hike up in there? That cable had been burned at... You know how it was the the bunch of twisted wires mm-hmm. and somebody had burned it? That fucking thing was sharp as shit. Yeah, they And are if you sharp. wanted to, you could run that in and out of somebody's body. But which way? Did you go through their feet? Did you go through their middle? Did you go... I have, which like, way did we go here? I, I See, in the way that, like, when he says that I ran it in and out of their body, I have, like, this... You need to watch the movie Strangeland with Dee Snyder, okay? The way that he does things in that movie... Is it like brings back memories of that like, movie when like I want to rock? Like yeah, yeah, Snyder? okay. Yeah, he wrote it and starred in it. It's called Strange Damn. Land. It's bad as fuck, dude. It will ruin your day though. There's a scene where the townspeople lynch him and they hang him and they leave him for dead, but the branch that they lynch him on breaks. Oh shit! And he hits the fucking ground and he gets up and he still has the fucking noose around his neck and he's all whoa, run, rush! Like he was excited that they had tried to hang him. Oh, wow. Oh, dude. I And it's like my favorite slash not favorite part of that fucking movie. Right. Anyway, when he runs things in and out of people's body, like in this one scene, he kind of does that, but he does it with like, um, like uh, medical mesh wire shit. But like you could run that in and out of somebody's side, like just through their yeah. meetings. And like even your like saddlebag and like down the side of your thigh, like you could push that shit through. Yeah. I just want to know like. Yeah, I, I think I, I just I hadn't need... just said that out loud. <laughs> I'm just... like, ah, oh, you know what? You could push it through. As I was I getting ready it. to say, I just need a visual. I need to know: Did it go through the feet? Did it go like from the feet to the shoulder? Did Dude, it this go? This is like I've had conversations with coworkers <sighs> where I'm like, God forbid, somebody look at my search history, like legitimately be For like, real. Hey, we're gonna do a random check on so and so, and then they look up mine, and it's like, What are the long term neurological effects of chloroform? Can you run a length of cable that has been soldered and and out of the human body. How like, much kerosene can one drink when they're there, one year old? Yeah. Like, there are some things that people are going to be like, the fuck exactly is this employee? Can you please like, tell me why you need to know this? I'm like, well. Because I don't think this is things normal people need to know. That's debatable. So, <laughs> uh, just as a, uh, uh, a shank you. Ha, oh, shank you. Shank you. Oh, Again to Samantha Vaughn and also uh, a big thank you to Karen for our package of duties. Our box. I finally the got box. to see what was in the back. Um, the Bucky's Nuggets, the beautiful hand-stitched, cross-stitched Dumbledore's Army pieces, which are excellent. Yes. Beautiful, beautiful. And our... Um, honey bunches of checkses. Honey bunches of heaven. <laughs> Thank you very, very much. I have pictures. I will post. Yes, I still have to post my other pictures that I said I'd post and I never did. Fuck, I have so many pictures to post. Life comes at you fast. Fuck. So, how about... I don't want 
your life. <laughs> and uh, stay, stay out, out of chalk lines. lines. Goodbye. Bye.